Hi there, welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with uh, Head of Development at Giant Space Cap, Brianna Wu. And, uh, well, I guess you've had a bit of a week, I guess, but uh, so I don't know if I'll ask you if, how you're doing, but how are you doing? I, I'm doing, I've, I've been better, but I'm crack-a-lacking. Yeah. I, have, I have ample amounts of crack-a-lacking in yeah. me. And condolences to you on on your dog, by the way. Yeah, it's I, been, uh, I don't know. You know, it's been a, a rough week, and you know, yeah. he'll be missed. Uh, mm-hmm. wait, can we talk about them a little after the intro? Yeah, after we introduce cool, everybody, cool. we can talk about that. We don't. I don't know any of these people I'm on the show with. Yeah, we so. we have to we have to keep reminding you every week who you're on the podcast <laughs> with. Uh, we also have uh, assistant games editor from Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing pretty good. I just finished up a tough week. Finished my game of the year lists. What's up? Just kidding. I still have more to do. The work never ends. It's December. Happy December, everybody. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, Steve. I'm happy to have you here, Maddie. We love you, Maddie. Yeah. Well, I love but you too, But not like Brie. in that way. Like, well, like, uh, yeah. well yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. I'll just quietly put this engagement ring away then. All right. Everybody on this show is married. <laughs> Except for me. So Aww. I should... You're, you're married to the podcast, Maddie. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. That's bad. We also have a psychotherapist by day and a senior editor from imore.com by night, Georgia Dow. How you doing, George? Oh, God. Oh, my yeah. God. Sorry. That was for the person that hated me doing it. That's for you. <laughs> Whoever that person was, <laughs> that person that's what is. you get for complaining about Don't the show. Don't complain about the Mario coin sounds because it just means more Mario coin sounds. That's, that's terrifying. Is that the first rule of Mario coin sounds is don't talk about Mario coin sounds? That's it. That's the first rule. I, I, I like that rule. Mario coin club. <laughs> and uh, we also have a, a very special guest who uh, needs no introduction and for some reason has decided to join us on this uh, this cruise to, to uh, insanity. You will regret that soon. Uh, oh, yeah. Welcome to the show, John Syracuse. I was waiting to hear how you would introduce me and you just bailed on it. Huh? I bailed on it. <laughs> you just need no, needs no introduction? You couldn't think of anything? I feel like I should be assistant editor of something. Well, you yeah. exactly you assistant you editor do. of of, uh, of Accidental Tech Podcast, known for all of the Mac OS ten reviews from the beginning of time until just recently. Is that anything yeah. else you want me to I don't know. I don't know if people who listen to your podcast will have any idea who I am. Suffice it to say I'm just this dude and I'm on this podcast. <laughs> well John that John, that's why we asked you all those questions at the beginning. We were hoping you would answer so yeah, we could say his favorite jam is strawberry mm-hmm. and... You asked me you a big question do, about yeah. Transformers. I don't watch Transformers. <laughs> I was watching Macross when those things You didn't were watch Transformers. Well, I mean, I did, but like, that, I was, Transformers. that was low rent, you know, my, that, that, like Transformers is to Macross as GoBots are to Transformers. Whoa. Yeah, that's that's your SAT analogy for you. No, wow. that's fair. That's fair. I feel like the show's over. I don't know where we can go from here. You just walk in here and you insult Transformers and you expect that to be okay? What is this? Hey, at least I've seen it. Um, I've seen oh, the Transformers. Oh, poor Steve. That was that Steve. Yeah, I've that was... seen the only Transformers movie that matters, which is the cartoon movie in 1986. The cartoon movie is great. Oh, my God. But all of that stuff did happen before I was born. It turns it or Rod, Hot Rod turns into Rodimus Prime or something. I don't remember. It. Steve, exactly. stop, stop, Steve, stop. I'm sorry, what? I'm tearing up just thinking about Optimus Prime dying. It was so sad. It is really sad. <laughs> it was very but sad. But they had to phase out the old Spoilers. toys and bring in the new toys. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to do it in a heartwarming <laughs> way. Anyway, consumerism. Uh, Shall yay. we talk about? Which Breeze Week? Yeah, Bree, oh, you, do you want to? I, I don't, you know, oh, I, as much as you as you 
want to. Yeah, but. I mean, it's like part of part of doing a podcast is people feel like they know you, you know, so you're kind of opening the, up the door to your life to a certain extent. Uh, so Sunday, um, we had a lovely isometric party with, um, you know, with Maddie and Steve and tragically, not Georgia, uh, that we miss Georgia very much. And, I wasn't uh, invited. We live in Canada. You were invited. <laughs> you it was actually. You should have. You you were driving back. You should have changed all of your travel plans to come and spend your time at my I house. I picked the wrong right. weekend. Right. Anyway, so we had this great isometric party over at Steve's house. We played eight player Smash. We'll get into that on the show. It was a great time. And I got home that evening, and um, you know, two Bichons crash and kablam, and um, Crash was passed out in the yard when we came home. And, you know, he couldn't even stumble up the steps to get inside. I went and I picked him up. He was shaking. He was shivering. Um, it was very apparent something was very wrong with him. So I uh, kind of ran him to one emergency vet right away. They told us he had, you know, encephalitis. His brain was swollen. It was very serious. It was, you know, very probable he was going to die. We took him to another vet. And um, long story short, he ended up... Um, choking to death uh, over this fluid that had built up in his lungs, and he he died um, on Monday. But what made it even worse than that, you know, we've talked about Gamergate and harassment on the show, and the the whole time, like, I'm, I'm sitting there with a family member in my arms that is dying. Um, you know, I have Gamergate that is harassing me, um, making fun of me. They're actually trying to dox and locate my vet, um, you know, which is very... It's very scary because I've had credible threats against my life that even today I've had two meetings with law enforcement this week about it. So, you know, um, so they're making fun of it. They're trying to dox my vet. We have, you know, high-ranking people in Gamergate, like, actually enjoying the fact that my dog has died. So, like, the worst possible event of your life, and you have, like, this this mob going after you at the same time. So it's it's just been an awful week. There's no way to say it. So yay, happy show now. <laughs> so oh, I'm, so I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry too, Brie. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. <clears throat> it's you know, people people I I feel like people with pets get it, you know, they they are members of your family. I mean, you know, especially for us because we don't have kids and we just mm. yeah, we really, really love those dogs and you know like Kablam's our surviving Bichon he's a mess Frank has never lost a pet before he's battling with depression and it's it's hard like there's just no way around it yeah the worst thing yeah. about pets is they can't tell you when yeah. something is wrong like with a person maybe they would feel weird I mean I, I had my uh, dog pass away a couple of years ago we actually went to the same uh, hospital you ended up going to oh right and like and they can't you know, as far as you're concerned, your dog is fine. And then one day you just find him, you know, passed out yeah. in the yard or the dog all of a sudden can't get up. And it's like, you know, you, especially when it's – yours was a sudden illness. Mine was a, a more, you know, longer-term cancer type thing. But the dog never tells uh-huh. you, hey, I, I don't feel right now. Right. I feel like yeah. there might be – you know, and dogs do get older and their bodies change. So you can't really tell. It's just – it always seems to be so sudden and sad. Yeah. 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 Well, Crash yeah. was only six. So he was a you know fairly young dog. Uh, you know, his, his white blood cell count in his – his brain, it's supposed to be like a count of seven by their metrics. It ended up being like a thousand. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, he was he was very sick. His immune system was attacking itself. But I, it's, you know, I've had pets die before, but to get 
this level of harassment on top of it, it was it was frankly inhuman, and it it nearly broke me. And it's it's just been a bad week. So I mean, let's get on with the show. I don't yeah. want to dwell on it, but uh, thanks for asking, Steve. I appreciate okay. that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we can talk about a happier subject. We can talk about uh, Super Smash Brothers now. Yeah. That we got to play. John, do you, have you gotten Super Smash Brothers for your Wii U or not yet? I don't like fighting games. Uh oh. <laughs> I was right. I was like, I think John Syracuse doesn't like fighting games. I played the I original right. on, on N64, but I never bought it. I bought uh, Smash Bros. on GameCube to see, like, hey, everyone likes this game. It's really popular. Mm-hmm. I should try it out. I played it for a while, and it just really wasn't really my thing. I think the, the previous fighting game I could only sort of gotten into was like Tekken 2 on the PS2. Yeah, it's just not, that was a good just one. not my bag, really, for fighting games. I thought about buying it for this one. Maybe my kids might like to play it against each other, but... I I have limited gaming time and I'm deep into other games now. So, no, I haven't I haven't played it. I I had the exact same experience you did, John, where I played it, you know, the original version and the GameCube version, and I was like, I don't understand why people like this. This is this is not a good game. This but is you horrible. Like, but you like fighting games, though. I like, like fighting games fighting. in general. Yeah. Um, but I I think this one is extraordinary. And just as a party game, like our our party playing Smash with like the four of us and Steve Kit, Steve's kids and Sam, it was it was just amazing. I thought. Yeah, it, it's interesting when you have two five year olds acting as the agents of chaos <laughs> in the uh, in the middle of the game, and and I mean, especially with I think because I don't it was that that was the first time that any of us really been in a position to play a player. Yeah. A player oh, mode. no. I've been doing it the oh, whole time. Sorry, guys. Oh, have you? <laughs> so, yes. so you knew and you didn't tell us how fun, how much fun it was? No, I told you guys it was fun. Oh, okay. I gave this game a really good review for work. <laughs> and then I played it with you guys like weeks after that. But yeah, sure. I'm, I'm glad you're all caught up on how good it is. Yeah, that's the aspect that I would be vaguely interested in, sort of the crowd management aspect, just because the nature of the game changes from mm-hmm. the fighting mechanics mm-hmm. to, to sort of, you know, to more strategic and less tactical in terms of how am I going to manage these other eight players? Because you could end up being the worst fighter, but still winning by by choosing your battles correctly. Right. That, that's exactly how it works. Like, I found myself just going after Steve's kids because they were using points. That's how you kept winning. See, the problem is that was the same strategy that I had, too. So. <laughs> wow. You guys are huge jerks. I purposefully avoided them every time and i went after the two of you so any win that i had was a good win <laughs> yeah but the, the difference is they had they had a really good strategy maddie because you play the game a lot so you've already mastered it it's so true. you can do that they they took the better strategy on going after the weaker ones and then they could like hopefully <laughs> i played they... this game so nicely georgia can i just say that <laughs> oh Tell my me. god she she was very good yeah. You were sweet. I gave myself so many handicaps, you wouldn't even believe it. I First of all, I played on a Wiimote without a nunchuck, so there's no C-stick to speak of, and I was only using a directional <laughs> pad and the one and two buttons. That's it. And I switched characters every single match, and I didn't play as the characters that I feel like I'm the best at, and I didn't attack Steve's daughters because I'm not a jerk. <laughs> so yeah i was the only person they, playing the game normally but they don't see it as as being a jerk they see it as as seeing them as equals right and, well, and treating them equally they can't really compete they just can't and they're five so if, if they had been getting angry about losing points i would have stopped but they were giggling and laughing and like when their characters would fly off the screen and like hit the front of the screen and fall down oh steve, they love that steve yeah. your daughter laughed every yes, single time every happened. single time and and i will tell you from having played with them in the past 
and I refuse to correct them on this, they seem to think that they were doing well when they got knocked off because then their score got reset back down to zero. Mm-hmm. So they thought that <laughs> yeah. that was actually something good. So they were okay with it. And I wasn't about to correct them on that. Yeah, they definitely didn't understand how <laughs> winning worked at all. Like they wouldn't understand why certain people won or not. And that's fine. I've done something similar. So I don't even think that that's a bad thing. Because I've, I've let my kids like just given them like the controller so they think they're playing <laughs> and they're not actually playing. And you're just like, yeah, 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 you're plugged in. Don't worry, you're doing great. And they, they, they're just happy because they thought that they were playing. And Yeah, yeah. we've done whole sessions of Rock Band that way. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong they'll with that. get old no enough judgment. that they will be good and then you'll be sorry for all oh, of yeah, this that's true like as soon as that's they start true. getting like seven eight nine ten they are gonna get really good at smash and it's gonna be amazing yeah they're gonna go back and listen to this one day like dad you were such a jerk what's wrong with I you i don't think they will i think they're gonna be too cool and then they're gonna make their own show right i mean probably that's, that's how that true. kind of thing works whatever that's your dad true. does isn't cool podcasting isn't gonna be cool they're going to have a hip new thing like brain casting. <laughs> anyway, Smash. So, yeah, eight player so, Smash is cool. And I, I we... love this game. I love this game. I have to tell you, it's I, I won't vote for it for my game of the year, but it is close. It's in contention. Certainly. It's, it's in contention. I really, really like this game. And I've hated every single other Smash. Uh, it is an amazingly technical game, but it's so accessible. It's, it's just like Peggle. Like, Peggle is wonderful because anyone can pick it up and enjoy it. But, like, there is a, like, when you go to, like, the the Super Smash, like, forums and start reading about the really in-depth tactics and and hitboxes and, like, counter percentages and, like, what your, your kill moves are for your character, this is a really sophisticated game. And I just, I, I thought my time, it was a very weird day Saturday because it was like, I, I was leaving a Frank and I'm like, yeah, that is like one of the best times I've ever had playing video games. Like, you know, that really fun social experience you have with friends. And then I get home and my dog was dying. So it was like the best and the worst day on top of each yeah. other. Yeah. That was really tough because yeah. we all got home and then that happened and I got really worried. Uh, yeah, but hey, you know, yeah. at least we got to spend some time together. No. Yeah. Which we barely ever do, even though we theoretically live close to each other. But and, and Bree, did you want to talk about the pro controller at all? Because this you just got a yeah. pro controller for this, right? Sean, do you have a pro controller? Do you use one? I, I have one. I was amazed by the the build quality of it. I think the buttons are like maybe half an inch over to the the left where I think they should be, but the the build quality of it is so un Nintendo like. Like it it feels like such a quality heavy, well thought out product with like excellent tactile feedback. I just I I'm amazed by how how great it is and. You know, like a lot of we you owners, I I initially looked at it and I'm like, fifty dollars for a Nintendo controller? Is it really that much better? And my answer is like, yes, I think it is. I think I might be fooled by the glossy finish on it because it does look expensive. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you could, you just said fifty dollars, and I just bought another PS4 controller so I could play uh, Never Alone in two player, and that's mm-hmm. fifty bucks too. And if you compare the two controllers, I, I think that the PS4 one definitely looks and feels cheaper than the nintendo one i agree which surprised me but like a lot of it is you know nintendo stuff is always rugged right that's no matter what their stuff looks like they tend not to break they're made to withstand kids throwing them and stuff like that so 
I assume this is also rugged, but in addition to being rugged, they said let's also make it look nice. And and I think the controls on like the buttons and everything do feel very tight. They they have nice button presses. Uh, I, but I, I don't like the control at all because of where it's really? placed. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't like where the. Uh, I like. I don't like that they got rid of the octagonal surround, which is my big hobby horse that no one else seems to care about or know. Uh, but I, I don't like that. I like the GameCube controller's uh, analog stick. And on the right side, where there should be a bunch of buttons, there's another analog stick, and that's for people who want to do dual stick shooters, which I can understand. But I don't want to do dual stick shooters, so everything's in the wrong place in this controller for me, and I don't use it. Like when I play Mario Kart, I use the either the gamepad or the Wiimote nunchuck instead. Wow. Of so you find the gamepad less uncomfortable than the, than the, the gamepad's not good. I don't like the gamepad to use it, but the reason I use it, and I never thought I would actually do this, but I find myself, you know, when, when the rest of the family's using the TV, the whole advertised thing, Hey, you can grab that and play. I do it all the time. I now. do too. Well that, yeah, in that scenario I do too, but I would never, if like I have my choice and we're playing on the television, I would use pretty much anything other than like a Wiimote and a nunchuck before I would use the gamepad. No, the Wiimote and nunchuck is my number one. Number really? Two, number two is probably the gamepad. Wow. I, I mean, I guess I knew it, but it came up a number of times over that session. It, that's a, a really kind of glaring omission from that controller is the like... If you hold down like the PlayStation button or the Xbox button on the Xbox or PlayStation controllers, it will offer to turn off the controller. Yeah. And there's no I don't I mean, I guess there is that weird arcane button combination that you could press that would that like a B plus minus all at the same time that maybe it would turn it off. But there's no way to easily turn off one controller without turning off the whole system, because if you hold down the power button on the controller, which you would expect would to have the same behavior, you turn off the whole Wii U. Why, why do you want to turn the controller off, though? Well, in Smash, we kept having to reset the oh, controllers. Oh, the calibration because, stuff. Yeah. 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 Or there are times when I'll be playing with my daughters and one of them will get t- get bored and leave. And, you know, it would just be like to save, turn off one of the controllers to yeah, save the battery. they have change controller order? And so, some games have that where you can change the order. So you swap whatever was number two to be controller number four and then... That's usually an option in one of the screens. And if you want to, like, if, if it's uncalibrated, you could always try hitting the sync button and trying to resync it, like on the bottom, the little the hmm. little red thingy. Huh. There's a key combination you do to, like, turn it off and reset it. I didn't know about that. Um, I'm curious why you like the Octogate, though. Like, because when I, when I play a fighting game professionally, or not professionally, but, like, high level, you know, like, um, Maddie uses a square gate. I feel very strongly about using an Octogate. So I'm, I'm curious why you find that to be a necessary feature for a controller. So I'm not playing fighting games, so I'm not going, like, you know, to, to be able to find Z patterns and stuff. Right. But uh, what I do, I, I got used to the Octogate. I guess I got used to it on the N64, because it was there on the N64. It's subtle. It's, like, it's, you know, deep in. But then on the GameCube, where it really made a big difference to me, is I spent a long time deeply enmeshed in Super Monkey Ball. And <laughs> yeah. to, to know, to know yeah. what exactly dead straightforward is, yeah. is important in that game. Right. Down, yeah, yeah, yeah. down to the littlest pixel. And to know what all the 45s and the other things are. And then you just get used to it, like in platformers and stuff. Like, uh, you know, Z to pull the camera behind you, go dead straight forward, make an exact 90 degree. Like, you just get used to knowing where the where the things are in games that require that level of precision. And without it, I just feel like I'm out to sea, especially when the sticks start getting loose, you know, over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I just, I like it for security and for sort of a positive physical feedback of, of the, you know, eight cardinal directions. Yeah, in fighting games, that's called riding the gate, which is a negative thing, but... 
that's why I do it. Like, that's why I like an octogate more than a square gate. Like, theoretically, Maddie's square gate is going to allow her to react quicker than I can because, like, she just memorizes the patterns. And, like, riding the gate is when you push to the outside of each of the octo clicks. So you feel like down, down, forward, forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, theoretically, the idea is a square gate is better because it trains you not to do that. So you're operating like in the center of it. So your reflexes are quicker, but I really require that same feedback. So, I mean, I'm right there with you. Well, yeah, but also a cabinet has a square gate. So if you grew up playing on a cabinet, then that's what you're used to anyway. And you right. are you're supposed to have that muscle memory, theoretically. I don't. Yeah. But for something like Smash, where you are moving in the cardinal directions, that's really helpful, too. Like, I found I was using primarily the Wiimote and the, and the Nunchuck while we were playing, and I was definitely feeling at a disadvantage because my hand wasn't staying straight. And so I wasn't necessarily moving the stick in the direction that I thought I was moving it in all the time. And having an Octogate on the, like the, the Nunchuck would have been really helpful for something like that. And speaking mm-hmm. of the Nunchuck, the reason I play uh, so many games with that setup, like including uh, Mario Kart and everything is because I I have RSI in both of my wrists and so anything that I can use to put my wrists in in more neutral comfortable positions is better. When I play with the Wiimote and the nunchuck, I'm not they're not aligned like they would be mounted to the surfaces of control. My hands are basically turned in so they're more like huh. more neutral as if you're shaking someone's hand or as if you're resting your hands in your lap. So the nunchuck is basically like sideways on an angle on my lap and the the Wiimote is in some weird position too like the fact that they're not connected to each other, that there's a wire between them, lets me take my hands out of that fairly unnatural, especially to a big ad- adult hands, bent sort of position. So all your tendons are snaking their way through these bent wrists, and I can turn everything back in to be much more comfortable for longer play sessions. So you're almost using it like an ergonomic keyboard. Yeah, because you have you have total freedom of like whatever position you're comfortable in. It's, it doesn't it doesn't stick you into one movement. You can actually still use it and move your wrist into a position yeah, if and- you're feeling achy where you, you have it. It, with me, I use um, I have um, on my cabinet. I have an X Arcade Mame uh, full um, arcade setup, and and it's the exact same thing. So unfortunately, in it, it's it's uh, you know just a, a square. And so the only game, like if I'm playing Cubert, I'm always going to be missing just because I'm used to having it be octagonal, and it's the internals of it. Unfortunately, we can actually open it up and switch it around when you're playing games, but it's such a pain. That I, I just usually probably jump off the edge more often than not. <laughs> yeah, switching it out to be octagonal with a cabinet, that's way too much work. <laughs> yeah, well, I, there's, oh, there, it's made so that you can, but, like, it's attached to the entire, like, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's I'm too lazy for that. I remember playing that game in the Atari 2600, and you actually had to rotate the, the Atari uh, controller 45 degrees. That was horrible. That was a horrible experience. That was a horrible experience. I was so angry. The entire time I would play because it, it was just it just was such a horrible port. I can't imagine you getting angry over Cubert, Georgia. Oh, I can. I loved Cubert. I loved Cubert. Cubert <laughs> was like I loved that game. Cubert and me are tight. It was cursing like, right there on the screen. It was all about getting angry. <laughs> it was cooler than that. Some poor little alien guy. Oh, you know it's like Gonzo's cousin. You have the big nose. Gonzo's cousin. <laughs> so, Maddie, what I want from you? This is what I need from you. So, oh I want you to kick my butt at Super Smash. Until I get really good at it. Like, that's what I want. I want I want to put so much time into this game that I can be a, a really decent player at it. Because it, it is awesome. I, 
It's sad though because I feel like the version of me that you want to play died years ago. You know, oh. like this. This is like something that keeps happening to me. Oh, I really want to meet the jerky competitive Maddie. She's gone forever, and I can't get her back. And I'm like, well, that's a good thing. First of all, I am a normal human now who doesn't get really hung up on winning, and ideally isn't as much of a sore loser as I once was. Although I still kind of am deep down. <laughs> so so it's like I, I can't even really get to that dark place anymore the way that I that I could in, in high school and college. But I, I can try. Yeah. I mean, I it's also <laughs> like I just I'm more likely to play as a bunch of different characters, too, because I want to keep challenging myself as opposed to doing what you're supposed to do. If you want to play professionally or whatever, play in a tournament, which is just pick one character and really get good at yeah, it, yeah. which is what you want to do. Maybe you even want to do a tournament. I don't know. Whatever um, but, I want to do, I want to be good at it. Does that make sense to you? Like, yeah, if I'm learn to play I, rock I band, almost think I'm you need to. Yeah. I need to set you up with some people who do play Smash competitively because I never have, and I'm not sure. I think it's too late for me. I, I'm now. <laughs> you're too old now. You're over the hill. No, Forget no, no. It. It's it's more like I've seen the darkness <laughs> yeah, and I turned back. Like, <laughs> I like I looked hell, into girl. the abyss and I was like, I choose. I do not choose that path. You, you need to come up with like the uh, the uh, Smash Brothers equipment equivalent of you know waxing the car and painting the fence you need to go Mr. <laughs> yeah. Miyagi right? because she, she wants to work like she wants to right. put in the no, work I and know. you don't want to be the one to punish her so just have her wax all your cars and like <laughs> and have her realize at the end that she's learned how to do a smash attack Bree, first you must do target practice for six hours first you must play home run for six hours do you do those do you do do you do the I smash no practice you're talking about no, oh. <laughs> there are like mini games. That... Yeah, we talked about this last week. Yeah, you hit, hit the okay. big punching bag and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I will break the that. boxes. I don't know. I don't think it's or at least my conception of it. So like every time I would win, like at Sash, I would I, I, I get excited. I'm a very passionate person. But it's not like I'm not trying to be aggressive. I'm being like, yeah, I won. Like I'm being enthusiastic about it. Can, can I just can I just add to that for a second? Because my children are Hellions, and my children actually asked Bree to quiet down because she was cheering too loudly. <laughs> what can I say? I've never had, I've say? never heard yeah. my children ask anybody to be quiet in my life. Before Sunday. <laughs> yeah, they were like, there's no screaming allowed in this house. That was something that we heard a lot from them. They they really tried to enforce that rule, and we did not oblige. Right, we did not. No, I, I mean, I didn't scream, but, you know. Anytime I won, I just felt bad because I felt like I, I, didn't, I, I wasn't letting you guys have a good time. It, it, it didn't used to be that way. I didn't used to feel that way about winning, but now I do. I don't know what happened to me. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Are you able to feel joy? No, I am, but I I don't. Wow. I well, I remember when Melee came out. I remember really desperately wanting to be the best at it, and I remember beating all of my friends locally. And there were people in other towns who I couldn't beat, and I really wanted to beat them. And whenever I won, I felt great. And whenever people almost beat me, I felt terrible. And just those sensations, that high and low, it's almost like gambling. I don't know. I, I think I think that getting away from that was Well, your good ego probably me. isn't as stuck into your, like, it doesn't actually defend yeah, on who you are as a exactly. person, depending on if you win no or not. I am no longer solely defined by how good I am at Smash. It all depends on where your ego is, right? We all have these little buckets where we keep all of our, like, ego. And, you know, if we get a hit in that bucket where we... 
you know, consider where our, you know, global self-esteem is, then that one hurts. And when you've moved back, you're now you're Zen. You've reached the Zen state. I do want to teach people how to be good at it though. So I, I'm happy to tell Brie what I know and share tips and tricks, but like just beating you a million times isn't necessarily fun, but I do understand that it would I help mean, it's you. It's not that I, I, you learn to be a better fighting game player by playing someone that's like 10 or 20% better than you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I won the most on Saturday, but you're a handicap. So I think if we were playing for real, I imagine you would be better than me enough that I could learn from it. It's not that it's not even a competitive thing. I just want to learn how to play this game well, you know, yeah. like that's that's it. So like there's no ego for me. If I lose, it's like, cool. Like, what can yeah. I learn from this? So, you know. So, Maddie, you have to take her on as your Padawan. If we did a meetup that was for people who were kind of good at Smash, but not super good, because a lot of the fighting games meetups that I've been to have been people who are so good that it's not really fun for newcomers. Yeah. And and they almost seem like they're not having fun at that point either. No, they're usually not. They're usually really pissed off at each other. So (laughs) that's a whole other thing. But I I have yet to find a fighting game meetup that's kind of for advanced, but not tournament level players which is a really really hard level to be at because like it's not beginner but it's not good enough to compete yet you know and i i've always wanted to to either attend something like that or find it but you know no one's doing it so maybe we should just found one yeah invite some people to play smash with us and that way it won't just be you and me let's do it let's do it i'm there online play in it? The, yeah, but there, there is. is but, so oh, doesn't it do like matchmaking Playing based on skill level? Playing in person is so much better for fighting games because you can have a discussion with somebody about what to about do. About why they lost. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. That conversation really matters, especially if it's something you can have politely. <laughs> unless, unless the person lies to you. <laughs> well, yeah. I've actually never had that happen. As far as you more, know. It's more often that somebody will be very condescending, but they'll still tell me accurate information, and I just have to be willing to listen through the condescension. But I've never had somebody lie to me. I don't, I don't think. I, yeah, guess I, I don't know. think somebody mansplaining Smash Brothers would go over very well with Bree. Huh. Or me, for well, that Nintendo matter. Nintendo games never let you communicate. Like, you have five preset phrases right. you can pick, yeah. and you can try to, how <laughs> passive-aggressive can I be by saying, good game, really let's can't. play. That's better. That's better than just having a mic, though, really. I oh, mean, yeah, no, that's, that's the reason they do it. I understand it, but it's yeah. just like the, the communication channels are limited. I, yeah. I guess for me, it's like this. Um, you know, I'm married to the world's biggest Yankees fan, and I live in Boston. <laughs> So when I go see the Yankees and the Red Sox play, which I do every single year, like I go there and I can feel genuine camaraderie with the Red Sox fans next to me. I will scream and cheer for the Yankees because I like to yell, but there's no ego like if we lose like it's just having fun do you know what i mean and that's how i feel when i play smash and then like as you're leaving the stadium you're having a conversation with them like oh look at that you know that hit you did x good game you know what i mean it's just like enjoying what you're doing so yeah i don't know well i'll try my best (laughs) (laughs) sensei maddie will will come through in a pinch yeah daria's gonna teach me a super smash Uh, anyway, this seems like a good place where we should take a break and uh, tell you about lynda.com, which is an easy and affordable way to help people learn. You can stream thousands of courses created by experts on business software, web development, graphic design. Uh, they work right with industry experts and software companies to give you training, often 
just right after a new version or a new piece of software is released. So you're all it's always up to date and you're always right at the cutting edge. All the courses are super high quality. Uh, they're broken up into little pieces so you can learn at your own pace. If you want to plow through a whole course, you can do that. If you only have five minutes to learn something, you can do that too. There's live transcripts. There are certificates when you complete courses. You can set up a playlist. So if you want to you know, pick a course from here and there and you want to or you want to go through a whole series, you can do all of that. Um, there's courses for beginner and advanced users and iPhone, iPad and Android apps so you can learn on the go. And if you go for the uh, for the premium plan, you can even download those to your device so you can watch those wherever you are. One, one low monthly price of $25 gives you unlimited access to 100,000 video tutorials. And we have a deal with lynda.com where uh, you can access everything on lynda.com for free for 10 days if you go to I, to lynda.com slash isometric. So go there and uh, try out the trial. You, there's no there's no commitment. And then if you like it, it's only $25 a month for over 100,000 tutorials. So thank you very much to lynda.com for supporting 5x5 and Isometric. Woo! Love them. Yeah, absolutely. Brie, you want to talk very quickly about you cheating your way through Pokemon? <laughs> Is and that we'll cheating if it's in the game? This. Is that cheating if it's in the it, game? Well, <laughs> we got to talk about this because I saw some upset so people So I will bring people up to speed because, I mean, this is basically follow-up. We have John Syracuse on the show, so we're going to do half follow-up. It's, uh, it's, it's appropriate. Um <laughs> So on the last during the last episode, as we were talking, Bree decided to buy a Pokemon X cartridge with all 718 Pokemon on it. So did you actually get to use that in? Yep. Okay. And how did that work out for you? Because I realized that there was a slight snag to your plan once yeah. after after we uh, after I, we finished I, recording. I realized that too. So just to give a little bit of backstory to listeners, um, you know, I was at PAX Prime this year. I. I lost my Nintendo 3DS. So, like, I had, I literally played all the way through the game. Uh, whatever defect there is in your brain that makes you have to collect everything as you're going along, I definitely have that. So, like, grinding in each area for hours and finding all the Pokemon and, like, you know, consulting FAQs and, like, all of that. Like, I had spent a ridiculous amount of time grinding Pokemon in, uh, you know, Pokemon X. And I lost all of that. So I was very frustrated going into, you know, the new Pokemon and, like, not having any Pokemon. When you got your new 3DS, you just signed in with your Nintendo Network ID and it re-downloaded all your save state, right? <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> right. That would be oh, great. Oh, sorry. I forgot. No, Nintendo. Right. All right. 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 Nintendo. I was lucky to actually get my games back at all. <laughs> like, I had to beg them and wait two weeks. So... I lost all my Pokemon. I lost everything. So starting this one up, I was kind of pissed off because I've, I've already grant, you know, grinded out a bunch of Pokemon. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to buy a cartridge with 718 on it. Well, I came to find out that there can only be about 211 that will fit on any one cartridge. And what they were selling me was a, a version of Pokemon X that had all the, the Pokemon, like they were in the Pokedex at oh. one point in time. So, yeah, that doesn't really help me playing Alpha Sapphire. So, um, but the, it was definitely a good deal. It was a really good deal. It gave me a ton of fantastic, rare late game Pokemon. They are all, you know, basically up to level 100, 
which is which is great. Like that's going to make it once I get to the end of the game and start like battling people online because like I want to figure out how to really battle people professionally using Pokemon. Like I'm going to do the same thing with Smash, you know. <laughs> but I didn't really have a lot of mid-game Pokemon in that state. So I I'm like, wow, what happens if I just go and buy some some mid-level, you know, Pokemon through the game? So I start searching on eBay, eBay, I find out there's a vast underworld of like <laughs> underground dark Pokemon <laughs> trafficking. Like there's Pokebay and there's like selling Poke-bay? them online. And mm. yeah, there's Pokebay. And, oh my god. Oh my god. This is the best part. So I start researching it and I find out there aren't just normal Pokemon. There are shiny Pokemon. Like there yes. are there are shiny Pokemon, there are variants of the normal Pokemon that just have like a different color and a different sound. How, how did I know this and you didn't? Right. Well <laughs> that, that, that scares me. Yeah, well there you go. And I'm like, oh I can't I can't possibly use that 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 normal non-shiny Psyduck at this point. Like I've I gotta have a shiny Psyduck. So I I get on eBay and <laughs> So I start I start working with someone on there who is terribly, terribly, terribly nice to me. I know he's listening to the show today. And like we work out this amazingly complex Pokemon trade deal using $50. So I'm I'm like paying $50 of real money for Pokemon and picking out like the best Pokemon in the game and like shiny variants of them and all these different levels. And it's like, it's like a dream for me. It's like, I have all the Pokemon that I could possibly want. And like all my, my favorite Pokemon ever. I have them. And now I'm playing through Alpha Sapphire. And it's a blast because I have like the exact party that I want. And like, you just feel like you're tearing through the game, like ridiculously quickly. Cause you don't have to level. And it's, it's just a blast, but the other thing is, like, John, and this is for you, like, the whole time I was playing this, I was thinking about you on the show this week, because, like, you, I will hear you on, you know, Accidental Tech Podcast, and you will be complaining about, like, Finder not memorizing all your your window positions in OS ten, And I'm thinking about, like, your position on that. And then I'm dealing with, like, the Nintendo interface to, like, transfer things between, like, the Pokemon bank and, like, all these different cartridges. And it's ridiculously Byzantine and awful AI and just the person that that was responsible for that needs to be fired from a cannon, and it was just, it was so terrible. I'm not sure they let the Nintendo people who design their interfaces, I'm not sure they let those people use technology. Like, I picture them living in the woods, and they're allowed to use Nintendo (laughs) games, so they're not allowed to use any other game consoles or any other kind of technology. So no smartphones, no computers, not even a VCR. And so they just don't know. They don't know how, like, stuff is supposed to work. Maybe maybe it's like one guy that was a UI designer in like the eighties and he's had that one job at Nintendo the entire time. And he's never been very good at it. Right. He's never been very good at it. <laughs> it is awful. The entire experience of like Pokedex or trying to set up your Pokemon or all that, it's flat out bad and whoever did that part of the Pokemon game should be ashamed of themselves professionally. <laughs> but you know, overall, like this is really fun. And you know what? I'm an adult with a job. If I want to spend fifty dollars <laughs> on Pokemon, F you. You yeah. know, like, that's, no that's my no, prerogative. I'm giving you static only because it's, you know, I, I could, it didn't even occur to me until last week. 
that right. that was of course that's a something that you can do of course but it didn't even occur to me and i'm i'm you know somebody who spent an inordinate amount of money on skylanders so right you know spending money on stupid characters for a stupid video game is not something that's outside my wheelhouse right i but, guess i the part that confuses me is that people who i know at least internet friends of mine were legitimately upset that Bree bought this thing and I don't understand why they were upset and I hope they tell me well she she didn't put the work in she didn't earn it like my understanding now from hearing this is that she was just trying to buy back what she had no lost I know yes. I know that she put the work in and she said that last week so I guess well we're making that clear again she put the work in but even if she hadn't I guess I don't understand why that matters so much to us it sort of reminds me of when people get really angry about somebody watching an ending cutscene on YouTube instead of beating the boss it's like right. is that really something that we should get angry about well, like, you know people have a <laughs> sense of honor about you know like I, I, is this degrees of anger you can just feel like that's not something i would do because like because at a certain point right. like why not just pay somebody to buy a 3ds and beat the game for you and then later they'll just tell you by the way i beat the game for you and you say oh good like i mean <laughs> you, can't, you can't outsource yeah. the entire experience of playing the game yes uh, but no but you can have a little bit of a leg up like in the last game in pokemon x i forget how many i collected it was it was some ridiculous numbers, like 350 or something like that. And, you know, I had like a reservoir of Pokemon. And like the entire reason I was excited about Alpha Sapphire was it's like, you know, it's like New Game Plus and you get to bring over all the stuff I put all this time into. And you know what? If I wanted to like get back some Pokemon, like as I'm playing through Alpha Sapphire, I'm going to go through, I'm going to beat the game, I'm going to be able to play with my high-level Pokemon, and then I'm going to pull out, like, the end game guide. And anyone that plays Pokemon knows it's, like, the end game that's fun. So at that point, I will, you know, fulfill my dark desire to, like, find all the collectibles on, like, plane flights and doing a lot of traveling this year, you know, to different conferences and going over to Europe, like, three times. So, you know, it's like, I'm going to do it. I was just trying to get back what I did. If you want to judge me for that, I don't, you know, IGDAF, you know? And, so. and at, the, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not going to help you. Those aren't really going to help you get through the, the early part of the game anyway, because right. the bat you need to get the badges in order to get the, poke, the Pokemon right. who are, it, it's been brought to my attention. I've been pronouncing that wrong too. Um <laughs> If you've never played a Pokemon game before, what happens is that as you go through the gym battles, the gym badges are what allow Pokemon of above a certain level or up to a certain level that you haven't caught yourself to obey you. And so what will happen is if you get traded someone who's level 90 and you don't have the badge that says every, all Pokemon up to level 100 will obey you, then it'll you, you'll try to do something. It'll just say, nope, I'm not doing that, and yep. it won't actually help you. So yeah. it's a, so even buying even buying the cartridge is only going to help later on after getting through all those gym battles, which you're going to have to get you you know get the early to mid level Pokemon to get through anyway. Right, and then when you get to the end of the game, that's when you get into Pokemon breeding and trying to yeah. get a Pokemon, a perfect Pokemon. And this is something that fascinates me. Like, I read an article about this on Polygon. It, it sounds really, like, if you think, I thought Pokemon was complex. Like, look at the advanced game of Pokemon yeah. and looking at their natures and stuff like that. That sounds really cool. Like, this game puts Final Fantasy Tactics to shame with, you know, complexity at that level. So, you know, I was just looking for a starting point to, like, get into that aspect of it. So, you know, just give me a break. I don't care. So has your opinion of Pokemon, of, of Alpha Sapphire improved since last week? Because I know you were, you were not thrilled with it last week. Have you, do you, are you still as disappointed with it as you 
as you were last week, or is has getting those other Pokemon into it kind of changed your opinion? It, it certainly, I can tell you, I don't think I would have had the enthusiasm to play through this whole thing without without doing this. So part of this was getting to the point where I could even finish the game, but it's the exact same game all over again. I have yet to see any innovation whatsoever. Um, it's a worse game in some respects, like with the character customization, but, you know, I'm going to play it. I'm going to have fun. Um, I'm personally enjoying it more than Persona Q. So, okay. yeah, there you go. All right. Underground Pokemon trafficking should be legal. <laughs> Should be legal or illegal? It should be legal, very legal. Legalize it. We don't need the we don't need the Nintendo government getting in the way with all their regulations and stuff <laughs> of of that. Someone needs to start the Pokemon Liberation Front. We do from their life of <laughs> enslavement. Yeah, and selective breeding and eugenics. This is a really it's got taken a dark turn here. Yeah, we're gonna get Department there. of Poke- of Pokemon Family Services involved mm. to uh, to to intervene. That could be an area Nintendo could innovate in for the sequel. <laughs> if, the, if the franchise goes long enough, you'll have the reverse one where, like, a, a, you know, a small boy with spiky hair bursts out of a ball and he's controlled by these giant monsters. Oh, my God. Oh, oh well, before we get off of Pokemon, Whoa. did you happen to see the video of first-person Pokemon through the Oculus Rift? No. No. Yeah, I oh I gotta find this. I'll find this article. I'll put I'll put it in the show notes. But there so it's was like a, you're living in Pokemon. World? Yeah, so you have the the Pokemon battle, and you're kind of like <sighs> touching the attacks, and then to to catch the Pokemon after you've uh, battled it down a little bit, you actually pick up the Pokeball and throw it at the. Pokemon. Oh my god! I'll find I'll find the link and and put it in the show notes. It's uh it's kind of it's a fan remake. It's not like obviously it's nothing official because Lord knows. You know, the idea of Nintendo supporting Oculus Rift is like the science fiction of science fiction. But it was a, it was a pretty cool demo. I'll try to find that and put that in the show notes. Yeah, John, you were talking about, like, you wrote a piece a while back I really loved. It was about how as long as there's a, a market for portable handhelds, uh, you know, Nintendo's going to be okay. Um, you know, I personally believe that as a game developer, nothing that we're doing this generation ultimately matters. I think Oculus is the only thing that has anything to do with where we'll be in 20 years in gaming. I mean, do you think that when that age comes, like, or if it did come hypothetically, do you think Nintendo would be able to even adjust and operate in a world like that? Well, it, more precisely what I was saying in that article is that uh, it if, as long as the market for devices that are used to mostly play games exists, Nintendo will be fine because Nintendo, as we just previously discussed, is so utterly incapable of doing any of the other stuff. They can't even get the UI in the games right. Forget about making, oh, this is your media center or this is a general purpose PC or this. Like, they're not going to make their own platform. They're not going to make their own iOS. They're not going to make their own uh, anything. They can barely make their own games inside a game console with any sort of UI. So their their strengths are so narrowly focused that if there ever comes a time where there is no longer a market for, for a device that you buy mostly to play games and all of our gaming happens on our whatever, our television set that has like a built-in thing with an Oculus Rift, like whatever, whatever, you know, it, it just all becomes like PCs or media centers or built-in TV things or whatever, then Nintendo is in big trouble. Um, now, Oculus... So far, is we don't really know. Is it going to be a thing mostly for playing games? Is it going to be a thing mostly for people talking to each other in Facebook? Like it seems like it's game focused for now. So if it's game focused, there's no reason that Nintendo also couldn't make a game focused headset thing and continue to do what it has done. What you're really worried about though is like, 
handhelds are wiped out because everybody games on their smartphones. And mm-hmm. Nintendo is not going to field the smartphone platform. So then Nintendo's only option is to pull a Sega, go software only, and yeah. release games for iOS or whatever. And that's not the Nintendo we know and love. And that's not the Nintendo that could do something like the Wiimote or even could do something like the GamePad, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I remember, I forget who it was. It was somebody that was in the Mac world, like a well-known personality. And they were talking about how when they held the iPhone, they realized they were holding like the next 20 years of computing in their hands, like back in 2008. And I I have to believe that, you know, ultimately screens are going to go away and it's going to be something like Oculus. And that's going to be the primary way that we, we interact with this stuff. There's a lot and, of hurdles to overcome there, don't you think, in terms of oh like God, co- yeah. comfort and fashion and yeah. just, you know, the technology. We're a long way from – I'm not ready – I haven't actually experienced one of those headset VR things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't say uh, for certain, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses are now. But I've read enough about it to know that this is like this, it's so early, it's really hard to say. And it, when it's in this early phase, it's hard to figure out is this a thing that's going to be popular for a little while and everyone's going to realize you don't want something on your face or is this the very first version of something we know is just going to sweep away everything like you're saying? And I, I can't make that call yet. Well, I think it's the, I mean, as someone that's worked with an Oculus Rift dev kit, you know, you do feel sick after a while. You just do when you're using it. And a lot of people do get sick using it. And I think, I think that's going to be the biggest thing to overcome. But, you know, eventually, you know, maybe it's 20 years from now, maybe it's 10 years from now, you know, these APIs are getting a lot more robust and interesting. And I can tell you, like, plugging in Unreal is a lot simpler than I would have guessed it would be. You know, and Unreal is a very sophisticated engine at this point. So I I think especially with user interface, I think I, I think it'll be bifurcated at some point. Like programmers will always work in, you know, like what Snow Crash calls flatland, like typing on a screen. But I think for games and entertainment, I think it's going to move more and more towards this. So I don't know. I think like Nintendo's reluctance to work with newer technology is i think at a certain point it's going to doom and extinct the company well i don't think they'd be afraid of that like they're they're the one always trying this. i mean virtual boy for crying out loud they try all sorts yeah. of crazy <laughs> stuff i mean they tried rob you know the little gyromite right thing next like they'll, to me they'll, they'll, don't don't down rob <laughs> yeah. don't down rob he's sitting right listening <laughs> not a great game okay, but, but they're, they're, they're <laughs> always willing to try those crazy okay, things rob. <laughs> and so I, you know, do you remember before the Wii came out when it was just the revolution and nobody knew anything about it, including the controller? They had that that fake video online of the what was it, the Nintendo on or something? Where it was like a yeah. helmet that you put on your head. Do you guys yeah. remember yeah. that? <laughs> I don't remember that at all, oh, Maddie. Nothing. Anyway, I vaguely do. I remember there being a lot of comedic videos about the Wii during that time. But they this was before we knew. Together. This was before we knew right. what was going to be weird about it. It was just it was the size of three DVDs. It's called the Revolution. We had not seen the controller at all, and people kept leaking this video trying to pretend it was real. There was like a helmet you put on your head. It was essentially VR, Oculus Rift, and everyone's like, "No, they're never going to make that or whatever." Well, here we are, not too many years later, and there's legitimate products that are exactly that, uh, that are you know seemingly viable. So. The reason people believe that from Nintendo is because we knew they were going to do something crazy. We knew they had a history of doing crazy things. What they actually did was also pretty darn crazy, even if it wasn't a helmet. So I see Nintendo being fully on board with things you stick on your head if that if they that ever becomes a thing. And I would imagine that Nintendo has in-house for many, many years been hmm. experimenting with stuff like that and so far has not decided that it was good enough to uh, make it out the door. 
I'm sorry. The, the idea of Nintendo having a gimmick that's not up to quality to bring out the door like that. Well, you know, Virtual Boy came right. out the door and then went away pretty darn quickly. The I love the, the Virtual Boy. Yeah. I well, yeah. love the Virtual Boy. I hate it when people blast that system. But it wasn't. I, it wasn't a commercial success. Let's it was not. But it was a very fun system. It was. Uh, it was okay. You had the shock glove. I love the shock glove. Yeah, you got an- to another idea yourself. that looks cool, but it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. It was horrible. But they do. They do test out a lot of different technologies and. They were they were one of the first to kind of you know give us something like they they try new things they haven't in a I mean, while hell, they tried like, the analog stick on N sixty four where yeah. would we be if Nintendo hadn't done that and then Sony had to tack on analog sticks onto its controller in response <laughs> or even it's the true. Game Boy yeah. if you think about it yeah. yeah yeah and and the Wiimote they were amazing like to be able to actually stand up and and play tennis it was great and like you know all the old age homes were getting it because it was making people start to move. It was a revolutionary kind of idea of the way to interact with a game. But the thing with the stuff they try is it's so hard to tell which one of those things are going to be stinkers and not succeed in the market and which ones are going to give you a Wii-like success. As far as Nintendo's concerned, I bet internally, if you had asked them to handicap all those crazy things we just talked about, would they have said, oh, yeah, all those other ones are stinkers, but the Wii's going to sell a bazillion units? No, they probably either thought they were all going to be great or all, you know, they, we just don't know. And yeah, so, they wouldn't have put them out if they thought that they were going to be stinkers. Like, they're not going to yeah. decide to spend money without without need. I think my where we may have a difference of opinion here is like if you watch John Carmack talk about you know like he left um, you know it and went over to um, Oculus and if you look at John Carmack who is a person very instrumental in like the early 3D technology of Doom and you know he went over to the Oculus team because he thought it would be an interesting engineering challenge and you'll hear him talking about like the the hertz difference between the left eyeball and the right eyeball and the lag to the brain, and that's why you feel nauseous. And I'm just saying the overall tech culture of the Oculus team and the difficulties of the engineering problems they're trying to solve are literally taking the most expert engineering teams in the world that hold themselves to the highest standards. And I feel like, Steve, like the difference you and I have had on the show over and over when it comes to Nintendo is, generally speaking, I feel like Nintendo as a company holds themselves to very low standards. And I don't know how they would create a product that would be able to solve an engineering problem in a way that others have not been able to. Does does that make sense? Do you see where I'm I coming from? I think they just care about different things, though, is, yeah. is, is what it is. Because, I mean, you know, I, and I've been thinking about that disagreement that we had last week, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, at this at, at some point, I mean, Pokemon – Pokemon, sorry. Is Pokemon. Be- <laughs> Pokemon. Don't, don't let them change the you. E? Don't let them change you. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not changing on Mario. I'm. I'm. Sti- I'm digging my heels in on Mario. Right, but right. Pokemon, I, I will. I will concede is a Japanese word, and I should be doing a better job of trying to pronounce it. But you know, there's there's a need for annualized series to some extent, and I mean that's their cash cow. The same way that like a Call of Duty is for Activision. I mean, the difference is that the way that Activision is approaching it is by having, which which maybe Nintendo should be doing is by having three different studios working on three different Call of Duties and only having one of those studios release every three years. Hmm. But at the end of the day, you do have the, the titles that you work on, that your passion projects, like a Super Smash Brothers, like a Mario Kart 8, like even if you're going back to like a Luigi, well, Luigi's Mansion, maybe not, but, you know, those types of games, or, or Super Mario 3D World, 
for example. I mean, you wouldn't say that Super Mario 3D World is how, is a low standard type of game. It's not right? about, no, it's no, not about yeah, standards. Yeah. I think it's yeah. about like what you're talking about was technology wise. It's capability. Nintendo yeah. is not the kind of company that has ever had the capability in the house to to do the type of thing that, that you were just talking about, like with the, the Oculus and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but historically, they have occasionally decided that what was important to them was to have a powerful, capable system. But they don't do that in house. So, so when they did the GameCube, they went with you know IBM and ATI, and they spec'd out a system for them, and they ended up with a system that was. Very cheap to make, very low power, very small, and extremely powerful compared to its competitive systems. It was the best balance system of that generation because they decided in that generation this is what's important. In the Wii generation, they decided hardware power is not important. But in both in both those situations, they didn't do the hardware design. They didn't make those GPUs. They didn't make the CPUs. They just outsourced it. So you're right that they do not have the capability to do what Oculus is doing now. They don't have that talent on staff. But they'll probably be perfectly willing to let Oculus figure it out make it become sort of normalized. And when when everybody has sort of figured out what you need to do, when people are making the panels that they know work, when everybody knows what tricks you have to do to get it done, then they can feel a device like that and add their value. And the value they add is in specking out their their hardware for their console, using existing technologies or companies that know how to make existing technologies, and then making amazing games on top of that platform. And that's the talent they have. And and you have to think that... that that Nintendo was around, like, Nintendo's a dinosaur. Like, it was around, and when it started out, it has been able to survive, and every other gaming platform that was with it has gone the way of the dinosaurs. And they've been able to adapt and survive well beyond how long they should have. <laughs> like, really, like, where's the Neo Geo? I, You know, is anyone playing that anymore? Um, Sega, like, it's, it's just Sega CD. Like, they're just, they're all gone. Nintendo's still been able to adapt and survive when it is, like a company that is still the way of dinosaur, I think that they would be able to figure out some way by getting their niche audience, which they are great at, um, making something that would be a family-oriented or kid-oriented system where all the other systems are made for adults and figuring out a way that they can then adapt to that as well. I say, you know, we do do a lot of trashing on Nintendo, but I, I think that it might be a little bit too quick to count them out to be able to make the jump. See, the one thing that I worry about, though, going back to, John, your point about, you know, they're going to let Oculus figure this out, is that Nintendo has this annoying habit of ignoring best practices and trying to do things their own way. They're stubbornly Japanese in that if everyone else does it, it almost seems like they're intentionally ignoring the thing that they would know work in favor of something else. But technology-wise, like, they're not inventing you know, the the analog stick or the LCD screen or even the 3DS stuff or the GPU. They didn't invent the GPU. They didn't invent 3D. They, they got an SGI to partner yeah. on the N64. They, you know, got ATI to make their GPUs and, and CPUs. Like, they're not above partnering, but they always want to feel like they need to add some unique twist. And that's probably a good thing, but a lot of the time from the outside, it just looks like stubbornness and pride. You're like, why? everybody knows this system works. Why not just do that? Especially with stuff like UIs and matchmaking. It's like, if you don't have a better idea, just do what everyone else is doing competently. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what worries me is that, you know, online matchmaking and online play has been a thing for a long time, and then it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we're not going to do anything in the GameCube era, and then when the Wii comes out and the 3DS comes out, well, screw you, you get friend codes. And that's that's what kind of worries me about that kind of thing and that stubbornness and their their occasional inability to recognize when they've made a mistake like that and double down on it. 
like they have with the 3DS, and I think I mean they're finally getting away with it, away from it with the Wii U. But yeah. I mean, we, the fact that we still have friend codes on the 3DS and they haven't gotten away from that yet, is, I just think is, that might be generational, like not not hardware generation, but like inside the company, the yeah. the leadership has changed over from Yamauchi to Iwata and everything. But you know. Miyamoto is still there, and I know there's a changeover in the lower ranks of the organization, but like for doing UIs, it's it's part of what they're supposed to be good at, which is making the game. And as more of the game has become not game, like more of the game becomes the menus, the UI, the lobby system and stuff like that, they have not developed that talent in-house, and they haven't outsourced it. And I feel like that's got to be a leadership thing. It's not like they can't yeah, it's find not people important can to do them. that. Right. It's like it's not important to the current leadership, which is the same leadership that essentially brought, I mean, creative wise, the same creative team, Miyamoto, that and, and his various alkalites that brought us, you know, Donkey Kong back in the day. Like that, that team has not turned over. Those people haven't retired. They haven't died. The CEO changed over. But the creative team is the same creative team that is from an era when the game was the game. Like you jam the cartridge and the game started there and the game was like one player, two players start. And that was it. There was no UI, no lobby. And so it's just not prioritized, it seems like, within the company. So I think we have to wait for the leadership to change over before that changes. I I, I hear where you're coming from. I think that's a it's a really good point that I'd not thought about, about licensing out technology. I think why that particular statement, I mean, I'm not saying that I think it's impossible, but I think I think a problem with that could be, could, being the operative word there, is... You know, I know people that work on the Oculus team, and I know a lot of people that work on the Facebook games team. And, you know, we don't, even Facebook will tell you, I, I hope they'll tell you this. So they've told me that, you know, they're not really sure where they're going with Oculus left yet. They're letting the team do their thing. Um, and Oculus is kind of kind of doing that. But you see, Sony is clearly not betting on, you know, Oculus bringing a technology out that they can license. They're doing their own thing. When I think about what Nintendo does well, like you described the GameCube, it was like, find some technology, bring it to a cheap consumer level, and put it out there with their own twist on that. And I really agree with that. But I think if Facebook is ever going to leverage Oculus, they're already going to be bringing this device out to the mass consumer level. Like, that's going to be their mission, to put Facebook stuff out there for everyone to use. They'll probably can see them open sourcing it for everyone to do that. And I don't know. It's just like, from what I know politically about the Oculus team and the Facebook team, like, doing a partnership with Nintendo, I can see that being rife with political problems. It wouldn't be a partnership. It would just be like, kind of once everyone figures out how we're going to do GPUs. Like in the beginning, it was like 3DFX and all these other crazy things and the Glide API. And it was like, no, actually, we're going to kind of do OpenGL and then direct, like eventually everyone figured out this is how you do GPUs. I don't expect Oculus to give them the tech, but once they figure out, oh, it's low persistence, you can buy these displays from Samsung, you have to do stuff like this, you have to correct for distort. Like someone will figure out all the hard problems and then people will copy. I mean, Sony's doing it right now with their own thing. Sony's trying to do their own thing in-house, and I guarantee you they're cribbing off everything that Oculus has already figured out for them. Like, Oculus is the pioneer, and then there's going to be copycats. So I feel like once it becomes regularized, if Nintendo manages to stay in business until then, uh, (laughs) they can, you know, Nintendo is a prize for people because they have have a narrow set of things that they do better than anyone in the world, and that the, the, the narrowness of that just keeps getting narrower because the things required to be 
a player in the AAA game space keep getting broader and broader, and Nintendo skills do not seem to be broadening, but they are really, really good at what they do best. So yeah. worst case scenario, somebody is going to snap them up because it'll be like, who wouldn't want those properties, that gameplay, know-how? Like, they are so good at what they do well, and it's just they can't seem to expand their talent base out into the, the wider world. And But, you know, for Nintendo fans like me and Steve, like, I would take them over an Ubisoft any day because Ubisoft has a much wider talent. They can do many more things well, but the thing that Ubisoft does better than anyone else is not as good as the thing Nintendo does better than anyone else, I think. Yeah. I agree I, with I that. Agree. Yeah, well, I agree. The thing just, that they do better than anyone else is get a franchise and milk it until it dies. Yeah. It's like, well, what, you, what even does Ubisoft right. do Wait, are you talking about else? Ubisoft or, or Nintendo right now? Oh. No, I'm talking about Ubisoft. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's Ubisoft yeah. has the can do, can they can do everything. They can make online games. They can make you know games that look great. They can you know they can do a multiplayer. They could do realistically like they. But they're kind of like their peak is not as high. You know, if you had to graph yeah. out the graph out the skill set, and then there's these big troughs of like, you know, you already talked about it. Just you're you're dishonoring the franchise by putting out a game that doesn't live up to the standards set by the other games, and eventually it's just like oh another Assassin's Creed, whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Which they just which they just announced another one, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, I, of course, I, I don't want to be on the team did. that comes up with the names for those games because I can't even like what are they even you know Assassin's Creed colon something I don't know <laughs> Assassin's Creed's colon <laughs> yeah colon 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 uh, it's a very so, serious yeah. Assassin's Creed game. So um, why don't why don't we move on to one more thing that and and I was actually just listening to the episode of ATP that you guys released today um, where you were talking about monetization and Crossy Road and I thought that especially because we kind of we started to get into that conversation a little bit at the end of the last of our last episode and uh, I think we were all a little bit a little bit punchy by the end of that but I was interested in the in the tack you took on that because I. I thought I was actually really pleased with the monitor. Well, I mean, I'm a consumer. I, I'm pleased with it. But I actually thought it was kind of a brilliant way that they were going about the monetization. And it seemed like um, you guys were a little bit more down on it. Um, and I was I was kind of surprised by that because it seemed like this is uh, Crossy Road. We, if you missed last episode, Crossy Road is a game that just came out on iOS. That's that's tearing up the it's tearing up the free charts right now. I don't know how it's doing on on top grocery. I know you guys were looking at that um, a couple days ago, but it's a game that's endless Frogger basically. And what it does is it doesn't charge you for power ups at all. It what it does is it just has different characters, and you can earn coins as you're playing through the game to get different characters or you it will prompt you as you're playing the game to either watch a video to get more coins where then they get some ad revenue that way or you can buy a character outright for 99 cents and i was actually really impressed with that and it made me want to buy the characters to support that kind of an ad revenue to that that kind of an a uh, a revenue model but i i was surprised that um, you guys were a little bit more like they weren't milk. Surprised that they weren't milking it for all well, it was worth. Well, I I like the game. I love the game. I think it's a great yeah, game. I and do too. I, I think I was, it's great. Fantastic. And I was coming from a place similar, kind of similar to yours, but in a different tact. Is like I'm concerned that this developer will not be getting what I think they deserve for the game because they chose a monetization strategy that seems weaker. Not that I was complaining that they're not exploiting us more, but like consumers must love it. They're like, <laughs> hey, you know, it was a great game. But I'm like, I'm worried about them. Like, you know, mother be worried about their child. Like, you could be doing better. <laughs> like, this is such a great game, and you made it so that, you know, like, like I said, I think the most thing is that it's almost not almost i think for me it's more fun 
not to pay to unlock the characters on your own right and it's like but how are you ever going to get any money you made this amazing game like i wish i almost wish they just made it like exactly the way it is now but 99 cents because then at least you get 99 cents from everybody like i and as i said on the show i don't know how it's doing so maybe this monetization strategy is awesome like maybe maybe it's like dota 2 where like everyone is just buying cosmetic things and they're making bazillion dollars maybe it's working but i wasn't saying that like i thought they were bad or mean i was just concerned about them and i I really hope the person who made this game or the people who made this game are making a lot of money because i think it's a fantastic game but mm. i just don't know if they're they're very friendly very honest sort of no gimmicks monetization strategy is just not going to be effective enough to give them the money they deserve but i don't know see it's, and, and yeah. i had i had an experience and i'll, I'll let you go Bree, but i just yeah. want to just because this is something that happened to me with this game this week is that I was playing it, and then I unlocked the Unihorse. Oh, that was which, what I was going to do, Steve. I what? saw a picture of the Unihorse, and I went, oh, I want that. I want the Unihorse. I'm and like, the, I might buy the Unihorse. Did you buy it? I, well, no, I, I want it. I, I got it through the, <gasps> the gumball it? machine. But then I post. I did as I do. I posted a picture of it on Twitter because the Unihorse literally poops rainbows as you're going <gasps> through the game. And so I, I thought it was adorable. So I posted like, okay, this thing literally poops rainbows. This is the best thing ever. And I had several people tweet at me after that. I just went and bought the Unihorse right now. And so because the characters, they have these subtle changes to the game that kind of take you by surprise. And I think it might be, it's actually kind of brilliant the way that they're giving out random characters, but it's completely random in that you can still get duplicates. So you're never necessarily getting it's kind of almost like when in the old the old uh cereal boxes when yeah. you used to have the toys and you wanted to collect them all and you had or the happy meal toys and you had to keep going back and you might get a, a duplicate but then you show you see that and i think they're relying on word of mouth a little bit to say oh this is awesome look at this oh my god that's awesome i need to go buy that and that's kind of one of the ways that they're that they're looking to make money and, and it, as a game especially a free game yeah. blows up like this you get more people talking about it the same way that people were talking about flappy bird and and i mean this is you know kind of a, an homage to flappy bird i guess but um where they were kind of uh, you know where the word of mouth kind of takes over and everybody's playing it oh my god i got this thing oh, that's awesome, I want to get that, and they'll just go buy it because they don't know how long it's going to take them to unlock it. Yeah, and I don't know if if it was if it cost 99 cents. I don't think that it would have picked up in the first place for people trying it out because it's not graphically stunning and, they're, you know, they yeah. didn't really have a huge, you know, set of, like, you know, advertisements out about this game beforehand. So if they had charged 99 cents, I don't know if people would have actually picked it up in the first place and it would have went wildfire like it did. Well, what's Desert Golfing? Isn't it 2.99? It's a, I think it's a dollar ninety nine. We're not allowed to talk about that game on that sh- on the show anymore, though. <laughs> I know, but but, like, but that seems to. I mean, I can't. It's so hard to tell because I, we don't know the real numbers for these things, yeah. and I'm not even looking at the top charts for this. But like Desert Golfing, see, I hear about it from lots of different places. Like it seemed to have gained traction, even though it's a game that you pay money for. So, I'm. I, I you never know what causes things to gain traction. And it's like I I don't necessarily think that the Crossy Road should have charged money up front. It's just I'm. It's basically I'm concerned that a developer has like. Imagine you made an amazing game, but then like screwed up the monetization strategy so that it ended up not being successful. Like that's the worst thing that can happen. You know, that's happened. What was that basketball? That game that was really early on. That was they didn't make it easy. It didn't. They didn't make it obvious enough of how to pay. So it got real. It got really popular, but like they didn't get anything from it, and then it was too late because like you have your moment. The game has its moment. It gains traction. It goes wide, and if your monetization strategy isn't set up, isn't good enough, uh, that that was your chance. 
It's really tough when you're an indie game developer, the monetization strategy, because you will, without naming exact companies, like you'll talk to people at larger mobile companies and, you know, no offense to those people, but they, they do have departments that do nothing but think about IAP and monetization and like the social aspect of it. It's very, it's very mechanical, mathematical, necessary job that they do. For for most indie game devs, like you do it because you love the game, you have passion for the game, you sacrifice for the game, and you want to put out a product that's pure. Yeah, this is why for Rev sixty we had um, you know, like the first at first when we were released, it was like the first twenty five minutes was free. And then we found out that was a huge mistake and we made it less and like the the monetization rate shot crazy up. So but you do it because you just you don't want to cheat the users. Like it feels like the opposite of everything you're going into as an indie dev. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough line. And I mean, yeah, John, to a certain extent, like just getting the game out there, getting your name on the map, like getting recognized as a developer is a huge accomplishment. Like when we released revolution 60, I wasn't really betting on that game as much as I was betting that the company would have a long-term future. So I don't know. I, I can totally see that monetization strategy. And I think there's a longer game, you know? Yeah, like I said, on ATP, it could be that the, these guys are millionaires and we just don't know it. Like, it's so hard. Yeah. You don't have yeah. visibility into how maybe their system is working. And the best thing is, if their system did work really well for them, they did it in a way that they that, that I think is respectful, that they're probably very happy with, that does not do anything slimy. And so their success will be all the more sweeter because, like I say, we we did it and we did it the hard way. Yeah, and and I mean, I think there's something to be respect to to respect of like not necessarily wanting to squeeze every penny out of your user base and you know i mean especially it looks like there's like only three people who are behind the studio and i mean they wouldn't have to sell that many you know characters that many unihorses to yeah, you know said, be able to, to, to find the next game two and a half million downloads or something so like what's their conversion rate and you know you just figure it out from there and and uh, yeah. how much what's the average number of characters some somebody who does start spending money buys right so it could it could work out fine for them but just you know i'm i was i was concerned yeah <laughs> and they made didn't they make their own company like two months ago or four like really they did this really quick like it was like yeah. four months ago or something like that and they pushed out the game in like 12 weeks like it's amazing yeah they said that they used the skylanders as kind of a a model for how they wanted to do the the in-app purchase uh model and and I mean, as someone who spent, again, spent an inordinate amount of money on Skylanders, and I don't normally buy a lot of downloadable content, like, there's something to that. I mean, obviously, the characters in Skylanders are, there's more of a benefit in Skylanders to buying a new character than there is in Crossy Road. But, I mean, at the end of the day, once you have enough characters to unlock all the gates, it's not not much different. It's basically the same thing that you're playing with a different character that has slightly different moves, but all the moves pretty much do the same thing. And, you know, if you want hot dog or, or, you know, countdown or whatever, because he's happens to be a soccer ball or a, a dog, then, you know, it's not really that much different than buying the penguin or the poopy, the, the, the poopy uh, pigeon in, in Crossy Road. All right. Should we, uh, <laughs> Should we go on to what we're playing? I yeah, think let's we're, finish up. Let's we're pretty finish much up. we're yeah. pretty far down. John, it, it's um you know you're our guest. If you happen to have something you want to talk about, that's fine. If not, that's also also fine. That's up to you. I, I 
you don't ask me that question. I go on for hours. We need, you need to wrap up. We need to wrap up. <laughs> no, 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 just tell well, us Well, this quickly. is this what is the part playing. of the show where we talk about what I, we're playing. I'm so, yeah, with the program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what you been playing? Uh, so I'm going first. Yeah. All right. So I don't have a lot of time for games, and so I'm usually not playing that many things. But then when I, I knew I was going to be on this show, I, like, I got to have something that I, uh, I'm going to be playing. And it, as, it think, as it turns out, I, that wasn't really a problem. So I got, I got <laughs> Mario Kart 8 when it came out, right? And we've had it for a long time, and I've played it. And it was, you know, a couple weeks ago was the DLC for the, well, the Zelda levels and everything like that. And when I first got it, I played it for a while, and I said, this is a very well-executed game, but I still like how Double Dash drives better. Uh, and so I, I played through the levels and I'm like, I'm not even sure if I'll bother clearing this out. But eventually I went back to it and my son and I were playing it together. And eventually I started to have more fun, despite the fact that every single one of the cups has some level that I hate or some course that I hate. And I said, you know, I'm going to clear this thing out. I got I got the Zelda levels. They were fun to play. And I said, I should just go through it. And, you know, I just wanted to beat everything in 150cc, unlock mirror mode to see what the other unlockables are. And I started doing that. And then I found out there was no unlockable for three-starring everything, so I'm like, good, I don't have to do that. Although I feel confident I could do that at this point, but Mario Kart eventually drives me nuts with the rubber banding, and I was just, it is yeah. not a fair game. Uh, so I decided what I was <laughs> going to do. You justice from Mario Kart? Well, I, you know, like, the rubber banding is just brutal. Like, it's, with the three-star, yeah, yeah. it's not as bad as it was on the DS where you had to do, like, you know... Uh, what were the rules for the things you had to get like 10 coins in every run and, and, and not get hit or like, I don't know. But anyway, three starring on, on Mario Kart, it is more fair, but the rubber banding still kills you. Uh, but you don't need to do that. All I need to do is get one car in every cup. But my main problem now, and that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm, I've been playing Mario Kart 8, like going through, beating everything. And I was going to get the gold cart, which just means you have to get a star in every single thing, which is fine. And I was trying to use my old system, which was clear out everything in 50 through 150 and then convert to mirror mode. And once you convert to mirror mode, you can never go back because you're screwing up all your memories and reflexes to go everything reversed. So you can't go back and forth between mirror and non-mirror. But the problem is online play. And online play is unmirrored. So here I am doing cups and mirror getting stars and stuff and now it's just it's messing me up for the for the straight thing so i'm in a currently in a, a mario kart 8 crisis of <laughs> crisis of i don't know what i'm gonna do am i gonna not do mirror am i not gonna get the gold card am i just gonna switch to online play so that's in one holding pattern the other thing is i got a ps4 a couple days ago i'm not quite oh, sure congratulations i'm not quite sure Woo! why i got it because there's still not any games that i'm desperate to play but then you know you get it and you do the ritual of downloading all the demos and i Play the Destiny demo, and I I got a couple yes. of indie games. I got Never Alone, I, uh, Child of Light, and I'm, you know I'm just I'm just. What about Towerfall? Around. You got to play Towerfall. Oh, Towerfall's fantastic. Uh, maybe like I'm, I feel like I'm overloaded with the games. I'm, the reason I got my PS4 is they're just sitting there waiting for Last Guardian, which is like God, I don't know if that's yeah. ever going to happen. But anyway, what I'm actually playing is uh, is Mario Kart Eight and uh, Desert Golf and Crossy Road. <laughs> Are you going to get into Dragon Age? I, I looked at Mordor, I looked at Dragon Age, uh, and I think I would not have time to play those games. I did get the the Last of Us remaster. I may get the Tomb Raider remaster, even though I've played both of those games already. I'm a sucker mm. for remasters. I just feel like I like I like having them. Like, I like being able to play them longer. Not now, but like five years from now when I want to replay yeah. The Last of Us, I'll be able to replay the PS4 version. I may replay it again anyway, but... The games like Mortar and stuff that you guys were talking about, I think I would enjoy them, but they are just huge time sinks. And I just don't have that kind of time or, you know, wrist movements, RSI-wise, to dedicate to those type of games. <laughs> same, Dragon Age, same thing. Like, I feel like I'd rather watch somebody else play it than play it myself. I, yeah. I will say that Mordor is the kind of game that you can play, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour at a time. Yeah, you I really agree about Dragon Age, though. It's huge. Yeah. And, and, like, so and Mordor, and the, a lot of those games, like... 
I'm not into games where you are remotely the bad guy. So I would always be, I would not mm. be a uh, renegade. I would always be Paragon. All those things like, and so <gasps> and, and like it, in, in Mordor, it's like, you're kind of a good guy, but you're also dead and you're killing people and there's revenge killings. It's just too, like, I don't, I don't know. You're freeing the orcs of their, their, their sadness. It's like, I, I, as a game, I, wouldn't, I couldn't play that in front of my kids. That I don't is know a line yeah. a serial killer would use, George. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, Every time we talk about Mordor with Georgia, it gets scarier. I, I would rather play as one of the heroes. I would rather be taking the ring, you know, to Mount yeah. Doom. Well, like Dragon would, Age is definitely You'd be that, a hobbit? Did you just say, John, you'd be a hobbit? Uh, I could, oh, you know, man. Or I'd be one of, the, one of the more clear good guys. Like, I, I want to be fight, winning a fight against all... Like I, Zelda games is my favorite franchise, right? So you were the little guy against impossible odds and giant bosses and stuff like that. I, You know, I've never played a Grand Theft Auto because I just can't handle that whole... Like, it's just... Even first-person shooters, like, there's too too much moral ambiguity. I need good versus evil. I'm surprised you like The Last of Us, then. I, I love end-of-the-world stories. We did a whole podcast. You see, sure. So you can but kill Joel zombies. Kind of you can kill zombies, but you can't kill orcs. That's what you're saying. Orcs are bad. No, it's zombies, not that. It's just you that, like, can... you're a ghost, and you're, like, you know, it's just, <laughs> you're, it's like revenge killings, and then some of them, you kill them, and they get mad because you killed them, and they, like, poked out his eye, and he's chasing <laughs> after you, and it's like, it just, it just makes me stressed just thinking about it. <laughs> I think you're hurting George's feelings right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might get it eventually, but like, I, I'm, I'm waiting. Like, you know, Bree's been complaining about like the the crappy games for the next gen consoles, and I agree. But that's what it's like at the beginning of every console generation. People yeah. need to figure this out. The great games for this generation of consoles has not arrived yet. I really wish developers would drop the old consoles and just because this transition is dragging out forever. But uh, I'm patient. I'll be patient. If, if, if uh, patient. I, I, I have, I have friends that work at. You know, Ubi and you know, EA and Activision. Yeah, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's realistic that they're going to drop. We, it we need another soon. red ring no. of death, death to come yeah. and wipe out all yeah. the last yeah. consoles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's too easy to scale. It's too easy to scale, and that's that's what they're doing. I mean, you know. So, I think it, it wouldn't be. It would not surprise me if five years from now they're still shipping games for PS3 and Xbox 360. That's terrible. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so Georgia, what are you? Uh, what are you playing this week? So I got Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes, Yay! I did yeah! it. Wait, wait, I Georgia, did it. Georgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you liking it? Well, okay, so I, I got the game, and and the amount of things that you can customize, Steve, mm. Steve, man, I was there. Bree and and Maddie, you guys talked about making your character. It took me. Forever. You can change your lip size, your lip color, the lip shape, where the lips are on the face. And I'm going, I'm working it out. And then, <laughs> so it took forever. You can put your makeup on. You can change your makeup. You can change your iris color, your outer part of your iris. Your inner, anyway, so I'm going nuts. It took me about an hour and a half. And I'm like, I have to, like, get to any gameplay before <laughs> we start Isometric. Um, and then when I started putting out my character, I'm sorry, John, don't, don't think bad of me. I'm a girl. But then I, I, I'm like, I hate my blush. The blush that I chose, I'm I, like, I in this lighting. You, I think that's the part of Dragon Age I would enjoy the most is the character creator. Then it would be like, right. well, this game is done. 
I loved, I loved it. But then my blush, it was like in the lighting, in natural lighting, in the sunlight of the game, it looked totally different than in the character creator. And I'm totally unhappy with Isn't it. Isn't that always made... the way with cosmetics? You get it out of the star, it looks totally different. <laughs> always. Yeah. It looks totally different on your face. Then you go outside, you put it on indoors, you take it out outside, and it's completely different. Suddenly I look like a goth queen. And I like actually <laughs> looking like a goth queen, but... But I didn't mean to because I'm going to a job interview. It was just not appropriate. Anyways, um, that being said, um, I've just started the gameplay. So I've played the game for gameplay, just getting into the the dynamics of it. Now, I'm coming off of playing Mordor, so I'm used to climbing up things. And so the first thing that bothered me is I can't climb anything. You can eventually climb more things. Okay, oh, I'm jumping around trying to like climb on top of something. So I'm a mage. Um, and I would like, say there's more climb. I mean, Brie, have you played enough of it now that you know what I'm talking about? There's more climbing in this than in any other Dragon Age game. Yeah? For um, sure. You can, yeah. like, walk up a mountain in this game. It's weird. Well, no. Wa- I, I don't mean, like, walking up a mountain. I, I can well, walk. Well, I mean, I like, mean, walking like, up, like, a cliff face. Like, yeah. climbing up rocks Georgia stuff. wants to climb on top of buildings and then shoot people. That's in the well, there's not so many for. buildings in Dragon Age because it's this <laughs> fantastical forest type of a deal. So there's more rocks to climb on. But the very beginning of the game, you're sort of walking around a little town and, and through army barracks and things. And you can't really do that much. That, that mm. very first hour, I would say, is pretty linear. So I, I'd yeah. say just keep stick keep with it. The first ten hours of every Dragon Age game is never my favorite. Okay. So okay, they, there's keep a lot it. of exposition <laughs> and like telling hours. you ten hours. That's a lot of game yeah. gameplay. A hundred hours, and by the time you're done, hours. the first ten will be a shadowy memory. Some of my favorite games are ten hours long. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I know, and I realize that it's absurd for me to say that, but yeah. it's true. I love the fact that I could put scars on my character. So I got this fabulous deep scar that. That I would like, you know, the scar right on my face that goes over my eye. I'm like, that's sick. I always thought that that would be sick to have a scar that went right over my face, over my eye. So I'm like, that was the best part. Don't tell Georgia that there aren't any Karagors in this game, though, because she might be disappointed. Well, maybe there are, or maybe there aren't. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Who knows? You won't know until you play it. (laughs) For 100 hours. Well, no, I mean, you don't, you can beat it in way less than that if you want. Like if you don't pick up everybody's laundry and do all the side quests, you don't have to play for a hundred hours, but you can, if you'd like to, I think you can beat it in 60. I've seen some people saying that. Okay. Only 60. No big deal. This is a much longer investment than I expected. You know, I shouldn't complain that much because I realized I've put in multiple hundreds of hours into a single Zelda game, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does happen. Yeah. When you when you want when you want to clear everything out, every side yeah. quest, every item, it really mm-hmm. does take yeah. a long time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The type absolutely. A personality thing. Yeah. I am concerned that Georgia Dow is a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> she is very charismatic, so we would never know. <laughs> Just like Dexter. I saw that show. <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> Darkly dreaming Dow. Darkly dreaming Dow. <laughs> Instead of her dark passenger, she has her light passenger that makes her giggle a lot. Right. Giggle you to death. That's it would be a very painful ending. Georgia, do you play as uh like a snarky character in Dragon Age or what do you what I kind am of... the nicest, most sweet person? Yeah, I have... she's a she's a serial killer, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Right until yeah. she stabs him in the neck. <laughs> oh wow. All right. No, I have all the choices and I, I actually thought about Brie because 
when when you guys were talking about Rev sixty and I, I chose the the sweet side and and Steve did, and you guys were like, no, you got to pick the hard. I did the snarky yeah. side, the side, and I was like, I I looked at it and I went, maybe I should try, and I went, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, it just <laughs> well, doesn't. Well, but in Dragon Age, there's three options, which is better for me because I I usually can't go full evil, but I'm I'm like mid level. It's evil. not evil. Right. It's assertive. I know. I don't have a better word. Well, for you. I'm sorry. Assertive, or if you're like killing puppies and kittens, I don't know if that's assertive. Like this, it's always. <laughs> Evil option. Like, well, I, I like being supportive. I'm like, you know, you did it. Like, you know, it gives you the option. And I'm like, you did a good job. You're a good person. Thank you for. I'm like, yes. I think this game is going to slowly drive drive Georgia up a wall, though, because <laughs> there are situations in this game where you can't please everyone, which is what I love about it. Because yeah. some people will be angry at you no matter what you do, because you have enough people in your party that you can only be popular with some of them. I'm but, good with that. So that's going to, that's, that might stress yeah, but you out. Georgia will just kill the ones that she upsets. So yeah. She has no problem murdering people. She just doesn't want any social awkwardness or rudeness. But, if, but, if, but once that's gone, it's like, well, I'll just kill you then. Then yeah, everyone exactly. left alive will love her. Right. Just like never have them in your party and never speak to them. I don't think you can kill them, but you could just pretend they don't exist, I guess. Ignore them. Georgia, you've played through the Mass Effect games though, haven't you? No. <gasps> Wait a minute. What? No. How is that even what? possible? I, How are you on the show and you've never said that? Have you just been living in shame Whoa. for the past 30 episodes? Whoa. <laughs> you don't been... know. Do you know who the Reapers are? She doesn't know anything. She knows nothing. She oh thinks they're, from, they're from Firefly, right? Um... You don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> do you know who the elusive man is? Oh is my it John? God. I, I don't even. I can't <laughs> no. even. Look, at least she's playing Dragon Age. This is an important step. Yes. Georgia, no. I am going to drive to Canada and I'm going to make you play Massive. John, have you played Mass Effect? I don't like turn based combat. It's not turn based. I played Kotor, right? So that was, I was going to try to play that style of game and I just could not do it. And so Mass Effect is just. You didn't not like Kotor, you mean? I played a lot of it until I'm like, you know what? I'm not having fun. And this is, I do not like that kind of game. So Mass Effect, I respect it as a series. I know a lot about it, but I have not played it. Well, you can play it as a soldier and just kind of shoot your way through, and it's really not yeah. turn-based at all. That's how I did it. And you know, it's, not, it's, not, it's not so much the turn-based, like, you know, dialogue trees, like that whole thing. But uh, that, style, yeah. that style of game, uh, you know, because KOTOR is, is a primitive version of that, right? So, it's, you know, before yeah. they got really good at it but, it, but it was a certain style of game. And like Mass Effect is like that, but way better. But mm-hmm. it just... I, it's just not the type of game that appeals to me. Like I said, how, how many games a year do I have that I can put that kind of time into? I, yeah. That time is always going to end up landing in a Zelda game instead of a game like that. Oh, right. man. It was so funny, Maddie, because when you I asked me, you. I actually thought to myself, maybe I should lie. <laughs> wow. No, I know. I actually I, went, I went I'm sorry. oh, no, this, uh, maybe this is the time where I should lie and say it. But then I'm like, but then they're going to ask me a question. <laughs> yeah, I've no. seen Terminator. Don't lie. There's no <laughs> yeah, lying exactly. here. Exactly. We all have shameful things. I mean, I hadn't played Tie Fighter, and I, I played Desert Golf. Bore the shame oh. of not. I still haven't played Desert Golfing, and at this point, I'm proud of that, and I'm not going to change. You're going to have a long way to go to catch up, you know. Yeah, We're I've come around, many. Maddie. I think you you have made a smart decision, and you just at this point, you just need to just kind of keep yourself pure. Yeah, everybody told me I should try heroin, and I was like, no, guys, I think there's going to be a catch there, and I didn't do it, and now I feel like I won. So you're saying that Desert Golf is like heroin? Yes, I am. Okay. It pretty much. That's yeah, fair. that's accurate. It's, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. That's accurate. I'll give it that. I'll give it that. All right. So, Maddie, what are you playing this week? Okay. So, I played a lot of games. I'm not sure which one to say. I made a game of the year list. <laughs> and I put on the 20 best indie games. And 
I wanted to make sure to play them all. So I played a lot of games and you should check out my game of the year list because there are some really good games on there. And yeah, but also right before I came here, I played Smash all day. So yeah, that was my day. <laughs> I've, I played Project M because I wanted to remember what it was like to play with a GameCube controller. It was nice. I still don't have a GameCube adapter. Has anybody managed to find one? They don't I, have them, right? They don't exist? I had a confirmed order at Best Buy. I was going to talk about this last week and then we How'd that go? Because uh, I yeah. haven't been able to get one. So not this is what happened to me with this. So they, I had an order. I placed it. They said it was in stock. I, they said, oh, we have, your, we have it. We're ready for you. I went down to the Best Buy in Watertown on my lunch break, and they're like, yeah, it isn't on the truck, and it isn't in the warehouse, and we don't actually oh. have it, even though we told you to come get it. Whoa. And uh, from what and I And that ca- store mysteriously burned down in an unrelated incident. Yeah, seriously. So uh, they were supposed to call me when it came in, and I've never gotten a phone call, so I don't... And now I've heard I've been reading stories that like Amazon's canceling orders and I don't even know if these things actually exist. I don't know that they're real. So anyway, yeah. I, I was playing Project M just so that I could remember what it's like to play Smash on a GameCube controller. And now that I've held it in my hands again, I just feel like it's been so long and now I don't know if I can return to the old way. And I, I shouldn't have done it, guys. I shouldn't have picked it up. I was happy with the pro controller. I was cool with it, and I made a mistake, and I remembered how good the GameCube controller was, and now I don't know what to do with myself. You went back to the island. I did, and I shouldn't have gone back, and now I'm stuck there forever. Do you have a stash of an uh, unopened GameCube controller somewhere in your house? I Yeah, like I have a secret pack hidden under my sink that I keep there for emergencies, and I rip it open, and I'm like, here they are! The C-sticks are fresh! So I, I had the vision, a little bit enough of the vision, back when Twilight Princess came out, and it was coming out simultaneously for GameCube and the Wii. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to play this on the Wii because I hate the stupid uh, pointer controls for the thing. I want to play mm-hmm. it on the GameCube. Uh, but before, when the game was announced, I'm like, I'm, I know I'm going to want the GameCube version. So I pre-bought a, a GameCube controller that I didn't use until Twilight Princess came out. Wow. And when I when I was doing that, I should have also been buying models for, you know, not just one model down the line, but just like a series of them so that I could slowly open them. And I, I did it for one game and I was happy with that and I got a nice fresh controller for that game but then now i'm out and all my controllers are used so i went on a buying spree on ebay and other sources i got the white one which you can buy now I didn't yeah want, I, yeah 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 i got a white one so here's the thing that's cool about smash we never have to let go of the gamecube controller because now they're actually releasing completely new gamecube yeah controllers. but they have a big smash logo on them and they're all black i don't care <laughs> no you, I know like what, smash. you know what they're doing is that there's a there's a third-party company that's actually making classic uh, classic pro controllers that plug into the Wiimote that are shaped like GameCube controllers. Yeah, they're shaped Weird. like, but they're not the same. Yeah, so I, I, I know it's not exactly the same. Don't trust it. Yeah. Don't trust it. I, I ended up same. eventually, I bought one on eBay that was fake and I got my money back. I found a, a, a legitimate one uh, through through a Goodwill website, which uh, someone tipped me off to. I got that a reasonably good price for a, a sealed, a completely unopened, actual, authentic Nintendo GameCube controller in platinum. And then I went back to try to get another auction, and it was up over 100 bucks. So I guess people discovered it. But they're, yeah. they're still out there if you can find them. Because the whole thing with the GameCube controller is that analog stick has a finite lifetime. Eventually, it just mm-hmm. becomes too floppy to be No, I talked about it on this show. And I, I talked about how the C-Stick is made out of that really weird material that gets sticky and strange after a while. Yep. But I, I, have all of, I have my old ones, but they're just not. I can't even really use them now, which I was kind of worried would happen. But, I mean, if you've had something since you were 
15 or whatever when I got them. I don't know. I can't expect them to last forever. I, I did not secretly keep them in a package Syracuse style. <laughs> I used them. <laughs> and and I, I mean, they're just not the same. So I'm going to have to replace them. And I'm glad that now I have a way to buy the new ones, but it seems kind of silly to do that when I don't have the adapter, except I did anyway so that I could play Project M on a white controller. And now I don't know what to do with myself and I need an adapter. I need a bad. I need a bad. I, Speaking I, of I bought them to use with my, uh, so I'm still playing GameCube games, but I'm playing so them on my they, Wii. Uh, this right? was my question. Did you buy one of the new versions of one and plug it into your GameCube and have it work? Because I'm worried that they only work with the Wii or something. Because I, I know they work with the Wii. No, I haven't but, opened either one of them yet. They're, they're, oh, they're, oh they're, okay. I'm, I'm pre-buying for like five. Well, you plug it into your GameCube and let me know because I don't have a GameCube anymore. I still have so. my GameCube hooked up to my TV, but I tend to play GameCube games on my Wii because I have a GameCube, right. GameCube compatible yeah, yeah, Wii. Yeah. So I'm, what I'm saving is for us, five years from now, I'm going to want to play through Metroid Prime again, right? And then I'm going to be of able course. to open up the white controller, plug it into my Wii, which I hope will still fit in because the Wii only has a, a component video out at best. It doesn't have HDMI out so because it's not HD. So... I'm hoping I will still have a television with component video input and I can play my Wii and, and that'll all work out. But I haven't tried it yet. Wow. I can just imagine like a break glass in case of emergency. I feel like you need to buy a it. TV with the right input and keep that sealed as well <laughs> along with the <laughs> that's, GameCube That's a little controller. bit taller order. I, think the GameCube I don't know. I think small. you need to do it, man. Well, I, I did buy like the it. very last plasma TV I could buy before everyone stopped making them. So I did kind of do that. But you know, I didn't want to buy a new TV, but I had to. So I have, I have my fancy plasma TV with component input and hopefully this will last me, you know, seven, ten years. I feel like we have gotten 100% Syracuse for this show. I feel like this went exactly. You never go have full Syracuse. Don't you know? You know that's the danger level, right? Never, never go full. No, no, no. Syracuse. This is great. It's a nice. Uh, no. It's a logarithmic scale, so you don't even know how far it goes. Oh, we haven't talked about pr- uh, bridge oh. programming languages yet. So okay. Well, this is, okay. this is turn, the episode right? I've been waiting for. So it's, Bree, geek out. it's Bree's yeah. turn to say what she's playing. So yeah, go ahead, it, we, Bree. it might get more Syracuse. <laughs> Bree's <laughs> playing the code game. Is what she's playing. No, what do you pl- have you been playing anything, Bree? Far Cry Four. I am ashamed to say, like Maddie, a minute ago you were th- talking about, like, "Hey, Bree, you've played a lot of Dragon Age," and that was when I wanted to lie and say, "I've played <laughs> Don't Dragon lie. Age." It's okay, but if you what if what if Look, Maddie I only asked played me Super Smash Brothers, about, so whatever about Dragon Age? I am embarrassed to say I've done nothing but play. Far Cry 4 and it's so not innovative and the story's awful and Troy Baker's barely in it and the story's horrible and everyone that wrote that game should be embarrassed like in the story that they wrote and there's no innovation it's just not a great sequel and I'm still playing it anyway and I've got all these other games and I just can't even get to them but good news I'm on the last mission so hopefully I'll be able to put this this shameful part of my life behind me soon and then i can play like all these games we've got to do for our game of the year i can spoil our game of the year show right now and i can just tell you one of our people that's going to be on our game of the year uh end of the year show is danielle she's coming back to isometric to be on our game of the year show and we have a whole lot of other special people that are going to be on our yeah we should say yeah. danielle riando oh Polygon. right yes. okay. sorry sorry i mean I we assume know everybody knows is. her yeah sorry you know danielle Bri- she Bri- 
first name. name basis with everybody, so she just doesn't need to bother Corruption. with last name. Well, Corruption. maybe this but is no. somebody's first episode, right, and right. they don't know what a video game is. Danielle I don't know. Danielle Polygon. Uh, but, you know, she's playing, she's going to make a very strong case for Alien Isolation, which means we all need to go play Alien Isolation. So, you Ugh. know, there's a lot of games <laughs> that to That game is to. so scary, though. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to try to finish it. But I'm in. That, that was my ah. top contender for game I may actually buy for the PS4 while I wait for other games. Of all those games that, that are sort of the popular titles, Alien Isolation is the one that's the closest to the type of game I yeah, think I Yeah, I think if you can stomach it, go for it. It's tough, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think I can take it. I don't mind. I scary. probably can't take it, but I want to try. Dealing with Gamergate all day, I don't find it that scary. <laughs> right? That's true. That's true, Bree. This is nothing for you. No, really. I have literally sat there at the end of a day... Being very stressed out by Gamergate and relaxed by playing Alien Isolation. <laughs> <laughs> That's the honest God truth. Were you playing as the alien? That. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice if there were a version of it where great. you could that do should that. Be, it should yeah. be DLC. We well, should do that. Yeah, that's what happens when you pass the lo- the pass the game. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the God mode that you unlock yeah. after you beat it. That's why Danielle doesn't want to tell us what the ending of the game is, is because Ooh. that's what it is. I don't know. I think Shadow of Mordor is a closer analogy to Gamergate than Alien Isolation, though, with all these guys who come up and taunt you before you, you end up ripping that is a good I, point I don't as want to, well. I don't want to well. hurt anyone. I'm just saying, like, it was less stressful overall. <laughs> okay. That's all I'm saying. New York's are my friends. I don't want to hurt them either. What? What? That is a bald face. <laughs> what is, line, what is going Dow? on with you today, Georgia? <laughs> Do we have Georgia's husband's phone number? We need <laughs> to get her help. We just thought she'd if, have o- if help only we need. knew a psychotherapist yeah. that we can yeah. send her yeah, to. Yeah, we don't know ah. anyone who can help her. I don't know. I don't know. What you're oh, well, I mean, about. we're screwed now. Like Georgia is our <laughs> lifeline, you know. Uh. <laughs> Steve, what are you playing? All right. Well, I've been playing a bunch of Pokemon, but we don't need to talk more about Pokemon today. That's um, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also so remember a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about. We were talking about Assassin's Creed, and I was wishing that there were more games, like, historical-based that I could play. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I finally got around to playing Valiant Hearts. And I have heard that game is really good. It's it's really good, except that I made the mistake of playing it on iOS, which is a bad, bad decision. Yeah. Um, but the game itself, the fact that I'm putting up with this horrible port is is a testament to how good this game is, because... Basically what it is, it takes place in World War One, and there's four characters from different walks of life. There's a – like a, what happened at the beginning of World War One is that they – the French kicked all the Germans out of the country and vice versa. So there's a family with uh, a French a French wife and a German husband and the German husband's uh, you know kicked out of the country and, and conscripted into the German army and the father – the father of the wife is conscripted into the into the French army, and they end up trying to reunite through all these adventures in the war. And there's a couple other characters who come in. There's a, a Belgian veterinarian who gets who gets uh, called into service as a nurse on the front lines, and an American who who comes in as well. And it's kind of like a point and click adventure, but you're going through all these different scenarios that are taking place in World War One, and it gives you a lot of historical context as to like what you're doing. So there's a there's a scene where the Germans are using chlorine gas for the first time, and you're trying to uh, avoid the chlorine gas and and destroy the machine that's that's pumping it out into the front lines. And the uh, the Belgian nurse is one of ends up driving one of the taxis that took the soldiers 
from Paris to the Marne. And and what's interesting is that it you can also like all the little collectibles that you get throughout the level are actually these little historical artifacts. It gives you a little fact about them. So it's the story is really compelling, uh, even though there's really no dialogue other than a narrator. It's you know some of the scenes are really heart wrenching, like where the the nurse is going and has to actually amputate a soldier's leg, and so she gives him the. You actually have to go through like giving him the the ether and then taking out the hacksaw and hacking up his leg and then bandaging it up. And it, even though it's really cartoon, a really cartoony art style, it's really like gut wrenching seeing what she had to go through. Um, through that. And so the story itself and the game itself is fantastic. The problem is that the iOS version is terrible because first of all, the, the controls really aren't good for it because there's a lot of, there are some state, there are some scenes where you have to do some really intricate, like, you know, moving to a certain place that very precisely and, and the touchscreen is not really meant for that. And But the bigger problem that I have with it is that a lot of the levels are like 20 to 30 minutes long. And even though there are checkpoints throughout the level as you're playing, if you fail, it's not saving those checkpoints if the app quits out. So mm. if when the app – when you close out the app and open pretty much anything else because this thing gets kicked out of memory really easily, then you get thrown all the way back to the beginning of the level again. I'm, I'm disappointed that I got it. On iOS, I I wish I had gotten it for the PS4, but I figured I would be more likely to play it on iOS because it's with me. Right. But which iPad are you using? I'm using my iPhone six. Oh, there's no excuse. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it should have enough memory to keep it to keep it iPhone alive. iPhone six or, only has a gig of memory, which is the same as the iPhone five S. Only the iPad yeah. Air two has two gigs. Right. I, I don't mind it getting kicked out of memory. I just uh, the fact that it's not saving state. You know, other than at the beginning of one of those levels. Badly programmed. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably programmed the same way that it is for the PS4, but the expectation for PS4 is that you're going to you're gonna stay there and or you can leave the television on if you're going to be – if you're going to have to do Leaving something. Leaving the television on. What decade is this? <laughs> <laughs> Remember doing that? Pause the game and then go eat yes. dinner and nobody touch the TV. Yeah. Please don't, don't – and then somebody accidentally like you know kicks the plug out and you lose all your progress. But I would recommend – I recommend the game a lot, especially if you have any interest in history. I think it's fantastic. Uh, but don't get it on iOS It's because the port is terrible. I would, I would actually put this on our list to talk about for Game of the Year. I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's pretty good. I, hmm. I don't know that I would make it my Game of the Year. I, think, I don't think it would kick Wolfenstein out off my off the top of my list right now but i i would sir i would try so how, how is this game of the year going to work i mean listening to you guys all talk about it i don't i don't think there was an episode where you, because there's no way you guys are all going to agree Bri- on a game Bri's of the year bringing in ringers i was thinking about this earlier today <laughs> i was thinking maybe everybody could vote for whatever game they thinks Every- they think should be the number one game of the year but you are allowed to issue more than one vote so maybe you could <laughs> issue three votes and then we see which gets the most why, votes why don't you pick like each individually pick your own games of the year and because you're never yeah. going to agree on that's one game that's what we're going like, to do i think that's what we need to do two votes but, yeah. it'll win <laughs> right i have a system right. i have a system i've thought a lot about this i have a system <laughs> we're just okay. going to fire ourselves on a podcast right before the you all to the year. death and whoever is left alive well, at the end gets to I mean, my system, idea. My system is that there is no game of the year because there can't be and everybody has their personal one. Yeah, that's I think that's, that should be fine too. Well, let's say if you, no, if you did personal no, ones, it's no, small enough. But three always wants there like, to be a winner. Well, well, so there's gonna, everyone's going to have their own personal game of the year and whatever Bree chooses will be the game of the year. That's right. No, we're bringing in a a calvary of stars from around the game industry, like the most fantastic people 
ever. We won't settle for all those second-class game journalists. No, we got the cream of the crop. <laughs> bring oh, no. in the best people. We love ever. all the game journalists. We love all <laughs> game journalists, but we especially we love all love... game journalists. But these are right. our favorites. These are our favorites because of corruption. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, we have to. I don't know. This is like I don't know. I feel like it's history. You know what I mean? Like saying it's a hard choice to make. Yes, we all like different games, but out of everything that came out this year, this is what we feel stands the test of time is the most important work that come out to come out this year. And you know, I one of the reasons I started Isometric is I'm very passionate about bringing different kinds of voices to get an opinion about that. So, you know, to me, this is incredibly important. Maybe you should try a, a trial run. Try to agree on a game of the year for some past year. Like, in mm. retrospect, you can say, <laughs> and so try to say, what was the best game of 2011, right? And then to have that discussion, and because you have you have hindsight, you can say, you know, you're always afraid you're going to pick game of the year, and then five years later, you're going to be like, that wasn't that game wasn't important, or it wasn't the best, or whatever, or another one stuck with you. So maybe try that exercise, because I, I just don't see how you're ever going to agree. We'll just pick whatever year Mass Effect 2 came out, except that Georgia can't agree with us. Right. (laughs) I'm okay with shipping a buggy 1.0 and fixing it for the next year's version. (laughs) There's going to be a patch later to this year's game of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there will be a game-breaking bug that we'll we'll fix in post. As long as as everyone has faces, it'll be okay. Well, it's audio. They don't have to all have faces. Right. Well, regardless, it'll probably be a pretty interesting show. So yeah. you know. it'll, it'll be the person actually playing Georgia for this episode is <laughs> <laughs> Commander Shepard. We're going to get Jennifer Hale to come in and be Georgia for that episode. Right, right. That's a joke that Georgia doesn't get because she hasn't played Mass Effect. I haven't played it. No, I, haven't, I haven't played it. Ah. <laughs> uh. We'll take a minute to uh, thank some of the people who have uh, tweeted about the show. We want to thank uh, Scott Earl, Jonah Hedged, uh, Joe Seal, That Nerd Nip, uh, Glass Blower's Cat, M. Neperath, sorry, uh, Were Rogue, Sarcastro, Charles Atan, hi Charles, uh, Brendan <laughs> Sparks, Johnny Wag, Sly Budgie, Nerd Dragon, Brian Hamilton, Biohazard Princess, Intune Piccolo, Straw Vegetarian, and Joe Cara 91 So thank you to all of you for, and everybody else who's tweeted about the show. Uh, we definitely really do appreciate it and um john for the three people who are listening to us who don't know where to find you what where would uh where would you like to send people to find more of your work oh i don't know i don't have much work these days you could find me you could find me on twitter my last name saracusa uh you could find me on accidental tech podcast every week that's uh, on twitter that's atp fm uh, and I have a website that I never write anything on called hypercritical.co. <laughs> and from there, you can find links to all of my past work if you want to. I endorse ATP. I know not a lot of people like it. But I like that show. <laughs> it's an obscure so, podcast. It's an obscure podcast no one's there's, ever there's heard of. There's not a lot of overlap. Yeah. You'd be surprised. When we talk about games and ATP, people are like, what are you talking about games for? Like, I, I think, I suspect most people listening to this episode of Isometric will have never heard of ATP. I was just Stick impressed us. that you were able to get both Marco and Casey to play a game at the same time. It's, it's like, I was it's very like impressed pulling by teeth. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone like people grow up and they're like, "Oh, I don't have time for games. Oh, I just don't do it anymore because it's like it's just I just don't have any attention." And I'm like, "No, you go and you buy a Nintendo and you make time for it." <laughs> Well, I, I think I think you may you may need to go pay them a visit, Bree. 
Yeah. That's what you're going to yeah. have to do. We'll and and, and educate them on the on the. You're just looking at the wrong, wrong people. Like, Marco's wife is the gamer in that family. Yeah, I know. Oh. She's awesome. Like, she was talking, like, we were on that podcast, and she's talking about Last of Us, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't know anything about this game compared she's, to this She's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Her and Maddie would get along. Old Maddie. Well, <laughs> who knows? Current Maddie is too is too tame. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. We're gonna get you some uh, Red Bull at the GSX Christmas party. We're gonna bring out old Maddie. <laughs> We're gonna I, summon I that demon. I, or, yeah. or old heroin. Maddie was very mean. Yeah, or, I uh, I feel like old Maddie would have been involved in Gamergate. If you want to know what old Maddie was like, look at the ladies of Gamergate and how apologetic they are for terrible people. That's what I used to be like. You're you're all lucky. I'm not like that anymore. We, we don't want that part. We just want the hardcore yeah, gamer part. Right. Not, yeah. not the not the internalized sexism and uh... half half the Red Bull. That that might be too much Red Bull. <laughs> that was, that's going that's going like the full Syracuse. You got to get much. a lot of Red <laughs> Bull before internalized misogyny comes back. <laughs> I think I think I've shaken that disease for good. Good. So, uh, as always, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. We really do appreciate that. The, we've gotten a few good reviews this week. We always we always read them. We always appreciate them, and they help the show out a lot. Uh, you can find the show notes for this show and every show at 5x5.tv slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can send us uh, feedback via email, and we've gotten a lot of great suggestions for clips for our, our end-of-the-year show. So if you have any suggestions, hope, preferably with timestamps, but if not, that's okay, too send them to feedback at isometricshow.com and of course you can follow all of us on twitter uh the show account is at isometric show i am at wicked good and brie where can people find you local police station okay are you <laughs> tweeting from there no not right now but i i realized today i can actually name more people that work at the police station that can that live in this town so <laughs> I've been down there quite a bit lately. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter for some very, uh, very relaxed, uh, reasonable, uh, very gentle, uh, non-controversial uh, conversations about feminism at Space Cat Gal. And Maddie, where can people find you? <laughs> I am also on Twitter from time to time. <laughs> very rarely. Definitely not all day, every day. Oh, only when you're only when you're trying to write something, right? Yeah. Whenever <laughs> I'm trying to write something, I'm definitely not on Twitter. I'm definitely writing it promptly that's absolutely me and where would they find you on twitter same as clone i said okay. that already but oh, you I were didn't... you were busy i was busy. fun of me for being a it's procrastinator a, it's, been a long, it's been a long episode Maddie. it's okay it really has <laughs> and uh and georgia where can people find you um i do another podcast called vector and um every once in a while on my twitter times i'm on twitter um but i'm answering like eight hours later after you tweet me so that's uh at georgia underscore dow so uh, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Yeah,